0: This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Bronner. The opening kickoff, kickoff, kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael.
1: All right, welcome in our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. We are broadcasting from Bob Baumhauer's Wing Fingers right here on Cottage Hill just off Hillcrest Road. Come on by and see us. The doors are open for breakfast, and boy, they got a menu here perfect for a Monday morning. We got a lot to get to over the next three hours right here on the sports station, WNSP and
2: WNSP.com. I don't even know where to begin. I don't either, to be honest with you, because I I knew where I was going to begin. I was all set with my headline Saints love Green Bay quote love I was trying to figure out how to fit that in and before I could finish the Green Bay Packers staged a comeback and beat the mighty Saints 18 to 17 after the Saints missed a field goal and blew a 17 point fourth quarter lead which is something they hadn't done since 2012 mark so that went down the drain. By the way, before we continue, I do have two tickets for the Jags-Southern Miss game Tuesday, October 17th, 6.30, first come, first serve. Speaking of blowing it. Yeah, speaking of blowing it. Wow. I, I'm hoping Kane Womack uh, comes on with us. Uh, he is scheduled to join us at 8.30. I do want to get his take on his post-game comments. And uh, apparently uh, he was very emotional uh, up against the team And some of the things that occurred in there, like the penalties at the end of the uh, fourth quarter drive were Central Michigan. By the way, the quarterback, Chase Bauer, he wasn't even a starter. Came in, counted for five touchdowns. So on college football final, which I watch on Sunday, at the end of the show, they give stars to certain players. They also give a star to a team. And they actually cited Bauer for one of their stars uh, over the uh, weekend. So you know, this guy comes off the bench to spell the starting quarterback. I did want to mention before we get to Alabama and Auburn, I, there were there so, I don't know, this was one week, I, I took a lot of notes, and it was more about verbiage, what, what people were saying. And one, one that really caught my attention, Mark, because we talk about this often, this, this followed the rant by Ryan Day. The Ohio State coach directed at Lou Holtz for the comments he made against his team that they weren't physical enough. And he went on this rant. There were many rants, but this one, the reason it caught my attention. So during college football final, Joey Galloway, who's one of the three on the panel, turned to Dan Mullen, the former head coach, and he said, you coaches <laughs> you coaches, always say you don't watch TV, you don't listen to anything, you don't go on social messaging, and yet you come out with these rants. Well, if you don't listen and know what's going on, where do you come up with this stuff? And I thought that was so apropos because it's so true. We talk about oftentimes things that are said, and the coach comes back with a comeback. And wait a minute—they say they don't watch TV and they don't listen to what's going on.
1: Yeah. So I know we talk Saints and South. Let me let me say this about both: the the Saints are back to where they were pre-Drew Brees, Sean Payton era. For those of you that don't remember, you're too young. You failed to for you know you 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 you, you don't want to remember. Hope for the best, expect the worst. So when New Orleans was uh, gave up the touchdown, then gave up the two point conversion, and we're still up, I said I'm done. They're going to lose. Al went outside, did something else. As it turned out, it happened. That's the way I grew up. That's the way it's always been. Uh, the golden age of New Orleans football is over. Boom. That's where we are today. South Alabama. I don't care if you're South Alabama, Auburn, Colorado, Ohio State. You cannot lose your homecoming game. And you can't do it the way in which South Alabama did it. They lost their cool. They lost their head. A stupid penalty that could have been avoided completely. And Kane Womack was absolutely correct in his post game when he talked about how embarrassing it was. You cannot lose that game the way they lost it. And to do it after going to Oklahoma State tells me they're not where he thinks or where we know. This program should be at this point in the lifespan of South Alabama football. Yeah,
2: they always seem to reach this point, Mark. They always get to the height, well, this is now they're going to go over the top. And tell you what, they got a real toughie coming up this weekend uh, to get back to uh, over 500. By the way, getting back to the Saints, but don't you feel, I do, maybe you don't, and I, I'm starting to understand your pain. And the reason I am. I'm just about finished up a book. Jeff Duncan wrote about kind of the history of the Saints. Yep. Did you ever did you ever read that book? With no. That? Okay. Mm-hmm. And now I understand more about where you're coming from. Some of the pitiful things that happened, you know, from day one to where they are but I still feel, and maybe it's just me, that if Derek Carr hadn't left the game, they would have won the game. Maybe so. Uh, maybe so,
1: but the, the offensive line all of a sudden couldn't block in the second half. Uh, they couldn't get a run game going. And and there was, a, there was a part of that game which has always turned me off to the NFL in recent years. Jordan Love throws a deep, flag. Jordan Love throws a deep, flag. Now all of a sudden, they've got 40 or 50 yards and they're within scoring distance. And it, it got to the point where teams, and we talked a little bit about this with um, Dean Waite last week, and he'll join us tomorrow about a number of issues, but it, the NFL to some degree has gotten to the point where you throw it up and either you're going to catch it or you're going to get a flag, right? But rarely do we talk about a good defensive stop or an interception. It just it, It's almost like NFL teams uh, account for the idea that the referee is going to throw a flag. And I'm not saying that that the Saints got robbed at all? I'm not saying that. That that's not what happened. In fact, most of those were pretty good calls. But it's frustrating to watch teams go down the field because they're taking these monster 40-yard penalties as pass interference. I've said it for years. I'll continue to say it. The NFL really needs to go to a 15-yard uh, penalty for pass interference and and stop with these 40 and 45-yard penalties. It's it's ridiculous.
2: All right, uh, as we're getting closer to a break, you talk about frustration. Uh, the, the teams we, we kind of root for in a sense so that we follow closely, Alabama, Auburn, South Alabama, Saints, so we go one and three. But for six quarters, to me, it was, it was very frustrating to watch Auburn. And I, I, I could pile on, and it, it wouldn't do any good. Anybody who watched Auburn realizes they have no offense. I cannot believe Hugh Freeze is in charge of an offense that can't—that 56 yards passing for a full game, no offense whatsoever. Same thing against California; uh, they have issues all over the place on offense. So we watched four quarters of that, and then the first two quarters of the Alabama game, where they, as was cited by TV, 12 negative plays, 12. So basically, six quarters of inept offense. But thankfully. Uh, Alabama turned it around in the second half to win their game.
1: Well, Hugh Freeze is going to get a pass because it's year one, but this is part of the problem with overhauling uh, an entire offense or an entire roster, Deion Sanders, that uh, that we're going to talk about for the rest of this season, right? So the, the quarterback got in late, and even Freeze has said this, the receivers got there late, not a whole lot of chance to gel. This team is going to be better than last year, but there's a, probably a pretty good chance that you're not going to see that in the scores or even in the record. Alabama, on the other hand, is going to have to fight and claw and grind for every win they get this year. It's just going to be that way. They're, they, they're going to have to overcome their opponent. They're going to have to overcome themselves. That block the punt, get it first and goal from the two, and then wind up negative 22 on that on that possession is just not up to any standard, much less Alabama standard. They're just not great. They're decent. They've got some talent for sure, but they can't overcome their their own mistakes. And they're going to have to fight and claw in it for every win that they get.
2: Well, when I was watching Auburn, I was thought I was watching Alabama for a while with the uh, penalties, uh, with the mistakes, which. Uh, and, and you're you're kinder than I am. I I'm not. I'm not four games in the season. I didn't expect them to win, but I certainly didn't expect them to to go down to Texas A&M, not score offensive touchdown, 56 yards passing, and, and they were running the ball well in the beginning, and they they went away from that. Yeah, they went. That's you know, like, what. Why is something going good? Why do you get away from it? And the passing was just what are you going to? What other word than atrocious? They just couldn't complete passes. Uh, I'm not, I'm, uh, Hugh Freeze is noted for being an offensive coach, and I'm sure he has something to do with the play calling, so yeah, you're, you're a little more generous than me, you want to give him a hall pass, I, I didn't expect them to win, but I didn't expect it to be that bad.
1: Well, I mean, uh, so you didn't expect them to win, so you expected them to lose, and that's what they did, and then you're disappointed that they lost?
2: I didn't say that, I said I, I'm disappointed in their offense, I didn't expect them to beat Texas A&M down there but I didn't expect the offense just to go four quarters and not do anything.
1: All right, so we're going to be uh, talking a lot about all of that and more. It's an incredibly busy Monday, but we'll have some – a chance for you to get qualified for the Alec Naaman catering party. We'll talk some high school sports. Bob Baumhart is going to join us. Ross Jackson on the Saints. Kane Womack is scheduled to join us. The South Alabama football coach. Matt Cohen on Auburn And hour number three. Mike Rodak on Alabama at 830. When we come back, though, you guys can jump in. 694-1055. Or better yet, come by and see us. We're Baumhauer's Wing Fingers. Dude, come get you a Gooey Grits Bowl. It is a game changer. I can assure you, we're right here on Cottage Show right off Hillcrest. Come by and see us right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com.
3: Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP.
1: Welcome back in. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee from Baumhauer's Wing Fingers here on Cottage Hill just off the Hillcrest Road. Come by and see us grab some breakfast. They got a great menu up here. We often talk about the uh, Gooey Grits Bowl but come get you a Southern Fried Chicken Biscuit or a Chicken Egg and a Cheese Biscuit. They got a great breakfast menu here. Get some tots, some coffee, whatever and come meet the one and only Lee Schrevanian.
2: And Pick up two tickets to the Jag Southern Miss game. That's a Tuesday night game. Uh, two more wins for us on our game days. What are we? Seven and one now. I was, believe we're seven and one. Seven and one. This week we're going out to uh, St. Michael's on Friday. Meet with Philip Rivers and the the rest of the uh, uh, the coaches out there. Uh, Mobile Oral Facial Surgery, our sponsor, Dr. Christopher Dr. Christopher Mullinex. We thank you very much for being our title sponsor for our game days. He along with Dr. Aaron Wallander, uh, they perform surgeries, uh, dental implants, wisdom teeth, jaw surgery, much, much more. You do not need a referral. I can give you a recommendation. You don't need my recommendation. Go there, you'll be well taken care of. They're very personable, very, very professional. And they do have same day appointments available by calling 471-3381. No surprise that he was uh, named the 2023 best oral surgeon in Mobile, 20 years in the business. About uh, oh, I'm it, seven, eight dental implants uh, later from Dr. Christopher Mullenix, and uh, everything went well with me. They're located at 715 Downtowner Boulevard. That's Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery.
1: Uh, you guys can uh, jump in on the conversation uh, wherever you want to go. What was the most frustrating? You know, maybe maybe this might be the better way. What was the most frustrating part of the weekend? Was it the Saints' loss, South's loss? Auburn's ineffectiveness at uh, in, on offense. Where where where's the where's the most frustrating part of the uh, of the weekend?
2: Well, I think maybe so, you're a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, that could be too. I would say, from my standpoint, South Alabama. Obviously, the game was not televised, so I, I'm, and I wasn't listening on radio, but I was following it on my iPad, and it said Jags leading, 18 seconds to go. Hey, I'm ready to celebrate for them. I want them to win. Uh, pick up where they. know left off with the win over Oklahoma State Uh, that that to me would be right up there at number one Uh, if you're a Notre Dame fan you could easily say that giving up a last-second touchdown to Ohio State Ohio State now has beaten Notre Dame six straight times going back to 1936 so they've kind of dominated it's not like they play every year but uh, the few times they've played it's been Buckeyes all the way so how about you? Uh, that's, that would be I was the jag. Game, I, was, I thought they had that game won.
1: Uh, yeah, I was actually watching. I was kind of rooting for. I found myself rooting for Notre Dame. You know how you watch a game, uh, and you know it's going to be competitive. So you're just you're just there for the football. And then you tend, as you watch it, as it gets deeper into the game, you tend to start pulling for one over the other. I was kind of pulling for Notre Dame. I don't know if I was pulling for Notre Dame as much as I was pulling against Ohio State, but I was kind of rooting for for you guys in green there. Uh, and they had—I mean, they—they they had them beat, and they just let them back in the ball game. Um, so I would say uh, the Auburn stuff feels a little familiar uh, in this state after after what Alabama fans have gone through the last couple weeks. Um, but there's plenty of frustration to go around. I was frustrated with the Saints just because it felt like old-time Saints football, which is they did all this work and then they're just going to let it.
2: Well, there are two to, things go, about go the hell. Saints game. Obviously, Derek Carr going down to the third. I still expected them to win. I thought, come on, all you have to do is generate a field goal or anything. And four straight drives netted only two first downs from Jameis Winston. I was expecting a little better from him. I'm telling you, he is so. They got so much talent out there on the wide receivers. Alave uh, is having a super year. Michael Thomas is back to where he was, and you figure just a couple of passes here and there, Mark. They get into field goal range. And then, and I will say this, I'm not going to dump on Groupie. Is that how you say it? I'm not going to dump on him. It's the first time. But I was really surprised when Lutz was let go. Yeah. Okay, I was. But I'm saying, okay, and this is the first field goal he has missed. It was a 46-yarder. It would have won the game, or at least put them in front with about a minute to go. So so there's (laughs) They would have lost. (laughs) Spoken by a true saint. Yeah, they would have lost. Hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. Because, again, I just finished reading that book. Did you ever go to the Saints games wearing a bag over your head? Uh, yes. You did? Yes. <laughs> like, I, I was in stitches reading that chapter about how it all started and, you know, where it came about and how how the Saints tried to confiscate those bags, but fans brought them in anyway. Yep. They hit them in their pocket or something like that. It was,
1: a t- it was a tough childhood now, man. Psychological scars, deep psychological scars, for sure. Uh, I do want to mention, uh, also speaking of, you mentioned the scoreboard. It is unheard of for any NFL franchise ever to score 70 points in a single in a single game. It's just,
2: I don't know what I don't know the last time. Well, don't because it's our Chick-fil-A question right. coming up. And I
1: don't think. I think most people thought that Colorado's win streak was going to come to an end. I don't know if people thought it was going to be that much of an ask. All
2: right, let me ask you this on the. Uh, the Miami Dolphin win, the 70-20 to 20 over Sean Payton's yeah. Broncos. Late in the game, Miami had a chance to kick a field goal. They were that close. If they had kicked the field goal, it would have given them the all-time record for most points in a game. They elected to take a knee. What do you think? Would you have uh, – would you were hoping they were going the, – the announcers were very good about this. They said, look, they know they don't want to rub it in, but there's a chance – they would own the record. You go that far to 70 points, and the kick was almost automatic. Yeah,
1: but the problem is is where do you draw the line on going to get a record? There's a difference between setting a record and then actively going to chase one. And so where do you draw that line, right? It wasn't that long ago where we had a state football champion in this state that was chasing records, and it got pretty much – like people were ticked off, right, and rightfully so. So, and I'm not saying he should have kicked the field goal or didn't, but, like, where do you draw the line before that becomes, before it gets out of hand and now you're just rubbing it yeah. in? Does
2: anybody notice that Tua tonga right now is the hottest quarterback in the NFL?
1: Yeah. All
2: right, uh, when we come
1: back, we turn our attention to some high school football. Bob Baumhauer is going to join us in about 20 minutes or so. Ross Jackson at the top of the hour on the Saints. So we got a lot going on, a busy Monday morning quarterback edition from Baumhauer's. Wing Fingers here on Cottage Hill, just off the Hillcrest. Come on by and see us right here on the sports station, WNSP, WNSP WNSP.com.
0: (laughs) Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day.
2: Where the people and children play. Oh, I'm in love. With Chick-fil-A. All right, six thirty-two, here we go. A little fried
1: deliciousness for the folks here early in the morning during our Monday morning quarterback edition.
2: All right, this was an easy one. I I wanted to take the uh, win by Miami over Denver to a new level for a Chick-fil-A. Seventy points by Miami, the most points scored since. They were two points away from the all-time record. Name the NFL team that once scored seventy-two points give you a hint it was a win well i'm not even gonna give a hint okay it's such an easy question uh but name the team that held the record and still holds the record for 72 points in an nfl game all right let's talk to uh davidson coach rick cawley uh the brian bank player of the week was uh one of his running backs uh, butler the uh, guy who had a fantastic game rick good morning uh, how are you today how are you all? Wonderful. Tell me about DJ Butler, your running back. What he did in your 42 to 10 win over Fairhope. Uh, well, he did a lot. Uh,
4: he ended up having to play. Uh, I guess you would call it our quarterback. We had to switch to a single wing attack uh, due to some injuries, and uh, he, he took a lot on this week and uh, handled it the way he handles everything else. And. Uh, yeah, you know, went out there and had a really good night. He had 254 yards rushing and uh, added 47 yards passing, completed every pass that he threw. And uh, he actually had to do our punting and he ran a punt back for a touchdown, but it uh, got called back.
2: Well, that's something Alabama fans are used to having uh, plays called back after touchdowns. But how many times do you have him throw the football? And what do you do? Do you just have him running the shotgun, throwing the ball? Uh, well, we're,
4: we're running single wing, so it is a shotgun snap. This snapped to several different people back there, but he takes most of them. Uh, and, you know, he, he had a couple drop back passes, and he uh, had a couple sprint out passes. But, you know, it's, it looks different, but it's just still all safe place.
2: Rick Cawley joining us. We'll be going out to Davidson later on for one of our game days. Tell me, how much excitement around the program with the brand-new stadium?
4: You know, uh, everybody's excited about it. Uh, we've had some people come back that hadn't been back in a while. Um, you know, we, we want more to come. Uh, we want some, we want to sell more tickets and get more people there. And you got to play good football for that. So hopefully, we're we're turning a corner and uh, we'll get some get people something they want to see.
2: Rick was this uh, the 42 to 10 win over Farrell but wasn't the fact that you beat him but I was kind of surprised at the deficit uh, the the large margin of win was this kind of a signature win for you in the program
4: you know I don't know about that Uh, you know we, we Out there and put our best foot forward every Friday night. Um, You know, Coach Carter and them have done such a good job for so long, and uh, we're definitely proud of our accomplishment. But, you know, we kind of just want to keep moving forward like we do every week and uh, not really put a label on it, but call it a big region win and a step in the right direction.
2: Well, certainly, Butler had all the credentials to be the player of the week. But what about your defense? How well did they play on Friday night?
4: They played really well. Uh, you know, we had to switch everything up on offense, and we did the same thing on defense. So uh, our coaches and players had had a lot to do last week in learning and installing. And uh, we got smart kids in our school, and they were able to do it. And yeah, uh, you know, we we switched to a, a three-three-five, and uh, something that. We sin and some players had to learn new positions. Uh, Quinteris Wheeler had to; he'd been playing corner and safety, and he moved outside linebacker, and he had three sacks and forced a fumble, and he even had a rushing touchdown. So he had a really good night as well.
2: So when you say switched up, did you do a lot of switching on offense also? Yeah, we, we went to a
4: single-wing attack on offense. Uh, we had been spread, and uh, we, we completely changed everything.
2: Wow. What prompted all this?
4: Uh, Well, we had a lot of injuries. Uh, We didn't really have a a quarterback available to play. And uh, we have a really good offensive line. Uh, Coach Dindy does a good job with those guys. So we decided to lean on them. And uh, we have very good players that are good ball carriers. So kind of played into our hands a little bit. And, uh, you know, we got some speed on defense. So we, we changed things up to utilize that a little bit more.
2: What do you got coming up this week? We
4: played BC Rain this week, and Coach Yelding has done a phenomenal job there. They're a really good football team, so we've got our work cut out for us.
2: Rick, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you. you think it would be out of place for me to suggest maybe Auburn go to a single wing? Um, no, i think. If you have to,
1: I think if you ask the question, I think you already know the
2: answer. <laughs> Because as they look for a quarterback, yeah, they have quarterback issues right now. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was uh, Rick Cawley, the Brian Bang player of the week, D.J. Butler. As you heard him say, he did everything. Uh, over 250 yards rushing, threw a pass, completed a pass or two, and also ran a punt back, but that was called back.
1: Speaking of Auburn, can, can we talk about the fact that Jimbo Fisher missed a tackle that every defender should make? He just let him run
2: right by. He did. He's not supposed to. How come he didn't get flagged from being on the field? You're not allowed to be on the field like that.
1: No, that was.
2: Okay, let me ask you this. What if the runner, well, it was the defensive player for Auburn, who right now is their best player. What if he had actually clipped or ran into Fisher? Hey, part of the field. Could they give him a a touchdown, impeding? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, that
1: was one of the things I have on the list for, for Dean. It's more of a hypothetical what if, to your point, what if. What if he got in the way?
2: I got one from that game also. Remember earlier in the game when Texas AM thought they had a touchdown and they called it back? It, to me, now, I'm watching you know, in real time. It looked like a toss sweep, you know, the old toss sweep, right? Okay. Well, they called it an incomplete pass. But originally when the play unfolded, uh, what was it? Uh, Alston got the ball and then was hit and fumbled. And then the A&M player ran it all the way back for a touchdown, which would have expanded the score even more. But then they went to the review and said it was an incomplete pass. And I'm thinking, to me, just like it was an underhand like toss sweep to, to the outside, they called it a pass.
1: Yeah. No, it's on the list. We're, we're certainly going to ask them about the, that one, too. There were There were plenty, obviously. The loss of down by Alabama. Uh, because of the miscommunication between the officials, those are all things we're going to talk about. Uh, I think tomorrow with Dean Wade, yes, he's we are. going to join us. I
2: got another one on Alabama that probably wouldn't go to Dean Wade, but I want to ask you. I enjoyed Ross Tucker's commentary. Now he sometimes fills in for Dan Patrick, and whether you like his voice or not, or anything like that, he says things that are well. I I buy into. And when Alabama blocked the punt and had the ball first in goal at the one yard line. You know, no, I know where this? I know exactly where you're going and with this. And I'm liking just get under center, dive forward, touchdown. But no. They went into the shotgun, the bad snap, and Tucker immediately came on and said, Why are they not taking the snap under center and just push forward for the touchdown?
1: Yeah, and you see the it's it's things like that which which go back to my initial statements earlier this morning when we first came on the air that Alabama, regardless of talent regardless of how, think, how good you think they're going to be this year or how uh, deficient their opponent is, Alabama will have to grind out every win moving forward because they just continue to shoot themselves in the foot. And it, it, there's no end in sight. There's no reason to believe that Nick Saban will get this team to stop shooting itself in the foot because we've been talking about it now weekly for the last two seasons and they continue to do it you're right that was the possession we talked about where they actually had a negative 22 yards on uh, i mean it was a great defensive play puts Ole miss on the uh on their heels you block the punt and then you can't come away with six that's just it can't that can't happen that can't happen you can't lose your homecoming game those are two those are two things that we learned over the weekend that it just can't happen
2: so, to, again, this thing about has Nick Saban mellowed, postgame, talking about another touchdown that was called back, can you imagine years ago a question like that and he would go into a rant but he said, you got to show patience. You have- Come on. Five touchdowns have been called back because of penalties this year.
1: Well, he was joking when he said it. He said it with some sarcasm. But, yeah, to your point, he was a lot. Well, I mean, a lot I think he knows. But I think he knows. Deep down, he knows this is not a team right now that can contend for a conference championship or a national championship. And so I think. You know, we talk about him often saying, right, there's a time to pat him on the butt, when to kick him in the butt. And he just knows all the kicking in the world isn't going to change the fact that this team just isn't good enough right now. One of
2: the best plays I saw all week long, and there were a bunch of them, give give credit, a lot of plays. But when Milrow threw that touchdown pass after getting leveled, yeah. hit in the stomach, and down he went, I don't, he didn't even see the play, and they wind up with a touchdown. That was one of the guttiest plays I saw all weekend.
1: Yeah, and, and to Lane Kiffin's point, really, that was kind of the difference in the game. He said, you know, we make that throw and it gets picked. They make that throw and it winds up being a touchdown. If the roles were reversed on that, how different does the outcome of that game be become? I, I, I don't necessarily have the answer. I will say again, though, the Alabama defense I thought played – Uh, very well, and they're going to have to lean on that defense uh, moving forward. Glenn, by the way, is the winner. He got the answer to your trivia question.
2: Washington, then they were called the Redskins in 1966. Their quarterback was Sonny Jurgensen. They won over the Giants something like 72 to 40. That's still the most points scored. I wonder how much uh, criticism Kiffin's getting because I was not impressed with their offensive play calling. I, I, I couldn't believe they were running the ball so much especially in the second half, and I, I thought I expected more from the Ole Miss. Uh, but to your point, give credit to the Alabama defense.
1: No, I think, uh, I think Kiffin realizes uh, that his opportunities have come and gone, and this was a perfect opportunity to get a win. I thought he felt that way last year, but this way even more. even admitted as much that they felt like this was their year to get him. And so he went on social media and he said, blame me, don't blame the players. And he had this big answer yesterday as to why he put the blame on himself and he's concerned about his players. And I think the the natives are getting restless in Oxford, right? How many chances does he need to beat the former guy, right? He's got three losses to uh, assistants or and, and, and not one on Mr is Delane Kiffin, who many thought was going to be that guy to do it initially, and he's just not had the success now. I think he's 0 for 4 against Saban. He continues to troll him in a way that only Lane Kiffin can, but at, at what cost? He's not getting the wins. Perhaps he needs to start putting more effort into you know, game planning for Saban's teams instead of playing these games in the media and playing them on social media because it's not working.
2: Well said. By the way, we're in Mobile Christian territory, which is right down the – Uh, road from here. Hated to see Deontay Lawson leave the game. I don't know what his status is. We can ask Mike Rodak for sure at 830, but I hope he's okay because he has been playing lights out on that Alabama defense.
1: All right, so let's do this. Let's step aside, and the man that allowed us into his home, Bob Baumhauer, will join us next. The home just happens to be Wingfingers here on uh, Cottage Hill, right off Hillcrest. Come on by and see us, man. Uh, we had a steady uh, crowd of folks going through the drive-thru. The doors are open. Come grab some breakfast. They've got some great, great menu items over here. You guys know I'm a huge fan of the bacon, egg, and uh, cheese biscuit. The Gooey Grits Bowl, I continue to tell you, is a game changer. Um, it's the Homestyle Grits Bacon Homemade Gooey Cheese, a biscuit topped with two freshly cracked eggs. For $6.99, you will not eat lunch. I guarantee it. Come on by and see us. It's our Monday morning quarterback edition of the show right here on the sports station, WNSP.
5: Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5.
1: Welcome back in as we wrap up our number one of our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee from Baumhauer's Wingfingers, Fingers right here on uh, Cottage Hill right off Hillcrest. Come on by and enjoy some, uh, some breakfast. And uh, you can make any breakfast meal a combo with 12-ounce coffee and tater tots for only 2.49. So come on by and check it out. Uh, the doors are open.
2: We can get more on uh, Wing Fingers from our good friend Mr. Bob Baumhauer. We're in his house now at Wing Fingers. By the way, they audio cut Arcane, the former A&M running back, uh, with this touchdown, and then with the extra point, they got to 70 points. Bob, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today?
6: Hey, good morning. I'm, I'm doing great. We had a good weekend.
2: You did. You Alabama know? wins, Miami wins. But I wanted to ask you, okay, Miami had a chance to go for the all-time record. They were well within field goal range late in the game which would have given them 73 points. They would have established a new scoring record in a single game. They decided to take a knee. Were you hoping to go for the record, or do you like what they did?
6: Oh, I like what they did. I mean, and I think you know they they broke the record uh, for the Dolphins earlier. I, I believe uh, the record was 55 points, which was actually set my rookie year up in St. Louis on Thanksgiving night. You've heard me and. Tom Banks talk about that game from time to time. But, um, you know, they're, you're in the game to win it. You're in a game uh, to, uh, you know, to get better. And I think they got that done. And um, as far as, you know, the, uh, a record is concerned, uh, I think you'd be surprised how many guys don't really think about that. And uh, I really like the coach. Um, I think more importantly, the players like him and are buying into what he's doing and probably taking a knee as part of that, uh, the reason they like him. He's about, you know, the team getting to a place where they can win games and not worry about breaking records right now. Bob
2: you um, joining us. Okay, Bob, I talked to Carol here, the uh, general manager of Wingfinger. She tells me the Wings nobody's surprised, are very popular, and she says the wings here are comparable to
6: Victory Grill. Well, they're they're, the same process, same, you know, we're using fresh jumbo wings, and then we're using uh, all the same sauces that, that, well, we don't have as many sauces as we do at Baumhauer's, but uh, Spencer and and Carol and Sam, uh, Sam is our GM over in uh, Fairhope, they all did a really good job and um introducing those wings and and the process is basically the same as at baumhauer so you're getting those legendary wings uh and um you know the important thing is they're fresh the important thing is they're cooked to order and then our sauces are real high-end sauces you know they're all good high quality you know uh most of them from scratch sauces so it's good stuff
2: have you ever had the gooey grits bowl
6: Oh, oh yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, the grits are made fresh there as well, and um, it's a really really good dish. I tell you, that breakfast, as far as in a in a in a drive-through venue, and we call that fast casual. We don't call that fast food. Is as good as you're gonna get. Whether it's the biscuits, you know, we use Jimmy Dean. A three-ounce piece of Sausage not a little piece a three ounce piece of sage Jimmy Dean sausage We're using connect sausage for the link Sausage biscuit and we use a really good thick cut applewood smoked bacon uh, By dailies for the for the bacon egg and cheese biscuit And then the, like the gooey grits bowl. It just it's just wonderful And then we're using red diamond coffee, which is a really really good high-quality coffee So it's a good breakfast
1: yeah, Bob. Uh, we were talking to some folks that come in here. They would say they come in here every day. I mean, I got I got Lee wanting the uh, the honey butter chicken biscuit. Hold the biscuit and the chicken, dude. It's just freebasing the honey butter right now. And you can just inject the gooey grits right into my veins, man, because it's just uh, it's just it's just easier that way. So yeah, it's um,
6: good stuff. It's good stuff. It'll hook you. It, it really is. Hook you. Um, yeah. Yeah I'm, uh, uh, yeah. I'm a fan.
1: We, we tried to tried to explain to Lee that admitting that you have a problem with honey butter is the first step in recovery, but he is uh, he is yet to acknowledge that. So we'll see what we can do. He's <laughs> starting to get the shakes. We need to get him a hit of that stuff. But okay. um, but Bob, we appreciate you opening your doors as always, man. We really do uh, enjoy coming out. We appreciate it, and we need uh-huh. to get you out I here just, with us one day, I man.
6: Just love having y'all there. You know how many years we've been doing it. It's just Lord have mercy. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. We we love y'all.
1: Hey, well, we appreciate it, Bob. We'll be in touch. Thanks again. Okay, thank you. Yep, that's uh, Bob Baumhauer, ladies and gentlemen.
2: we got two tickets for the Jag southern Miss uh, Tuesday night game, October 17, 2020, uh, coming up at 630. That's a Tuesday night game. They go to um, a TV game this week against James Madison. James Matt. Oh, Mark, you got to look at this. <laughs> I, I just remembered this. Okay, check it out on James Madison. Uh, they're undefeated. Okay. And this is something we can ask Dean Wade also if I could possibly remember. James Madison won over Utah State. They're undefeated 4-0. That's a televised game at 11 ESPNU. But during the game, there was a touchdown scored against James Madison, and the coaching staff, the head coach, and one of the assistants called the ref, pulled out a cell phone to show them where they made a mistake on the play. The officials basically told, well, I can't say nothing here. You You can tell them, you can guess what they told them, you can do it with your cell phone. But they pulled out, watch it, get it up, you'll enjoy it. They pulled out a cell phone to show them where they made their mistake and if they could review it. We have uh, plenty to get to here. Ross Jackson will kick off
1: hour number two with the Saints. We'll do our Millard Golf Report. Uh, Kane Womack, the South Alabama football coach, will join us. or scheduled to join us. Uh, He was a little hot, and rightfully so, at the end of South Alabama's uh, homecoming loss over the weekend. We'll talk to him. Matt Cohen on Auburn. Mike Rodak on Alabama in hour number three. Uh, Gives me a chance. Speaking of Auburn, let me tell you about what's going on here locally. Uh, December 6th at St. Dominic's Murphy Center. That is the 11th annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash. That is an organization that supports wheelchair sports at Auburn. The club was inspired by Mobile native Dr. Jared Rim. He was born with spina bifida and became the first wheelchair athlete to compete for Auburn University. Guys, this is a great event. It's a lot of fun, and there's even a bigger reason for you to go. How about a $10,000 drawdown? There are only 300 tickets sold, which means the chance of you winning – pretty good. Uh, the, the event is great. Get catered by Bay Gourmet, DJed by our own Matt McCoy. There's an outstanding silent auction. Several sports items that are Alabama and Auburn-centric, of course. Guys, they have a signed soccer ball by Pele. So uh, if you have any interest in getting tickets, if you want to uh, donate an item to the silent auction, you need to call Dr. Mike Rim. Let me get you his number. Make a mental note, grab a pen, ready, 232-4753, that's 232-4753, Dr. Mike Rim, get your tickets, the 11th Annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash, and here's even the best part, Coach Rob Taylor, the Auburn Wheelchair Basketball Head Coach will be in attendance. How cool is that? So, you'll be hearing a lot more about this. All the proceeds go to benefit the Auburn Wheelchair Sports. It's the 11th Annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash. It's coming up December 6th. $10,000 drawdown, St. Dominic's Murphy Center. It's going to be a great event as always. All right, we
2: turn our attention
1: for better or for worse towards the Saints.
2: It's only one loss. Only one. They're still tied for first. Mm-hmm. All right. But very rarely do they have they blown a fourth-quarter lead like they did yesterday. Very rarely. <laughs> Trying That's to make that, me feel yeah, better. No, right, and then you mean, just pushed right, me I off did, the ledge. Did, yeah. Go get your
1: honey butter lead. Well,
2: while you were out cutting the grass, I was watching the game.
1: Yeah, well, I knew how it was going to end. Hour number two is next. Stay uh, with us. Soothsayer.
0: This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Chevanian, and Michael Bronner. The opening, kickoff. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael.
1: All right, 7.05, hour number two. That's right, the Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. We are at Baumhauer's Wing Fingers. Come on by and see us, man. We're right here on kind of Cottage Hill right off Hillcrest. they got a great breakfast menu you've heard us talk about it all
2: morning long, and uh, we're here till 9 a.m. All right, in the NFL yesterday, a couple of storylines. How about Arizona beating Dallas? And how about the Texans getting Orions uh, Ryans' his first win as they beat Jacksonville. And then you had the Miami Dolphins scoring 70 points, too shy of the all-time single game record as they uh, walloped uh, Sean Payton's uh, Denver Broncos. The Broncos are 0-3 now since Payton took over. But the story right now with the Saints, they had a 17-0 lead. They lost it in the fourth quarter. Green Bay wins 18-17. Ross Jackson covered that game for SI Saints report. Good morning, Ross. How are you today?
7: Hey, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Well, doing well. How are y'all?
2: Uh, we're doing fine. Uh, the status of Derek Carr, what are you hearing?
7: Yeah, so um, we, you know, there was a lot of concern that it might be something major, potentially even season ending, but after several, several tests that he received after going to a local hospital here in Wisconsin uh, during the game, it uh, turns out that it is not as severe uh, as initially feared, uh, an AC joint sprain, so effectively the, you know, your shoulder joint. Um, so instead of it being you know, a long rehabbing process or any surgery or anything like that, it's also going to be just swelling and mobility are going to be the two big question marks for Derek Carr in terms of his uh, return. The tricky part is that it is the right shoulder, the throwing shoulder, so the healing Weight is going to be a little bit steeper. I'd be shocked if he played this weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, although he's had some incredible return timelines in the past. Uh, But I'd be shocked if he played against the Buccaneers. So I would expect at least a little bit of missed time, but certainly not nearly as much or as bad as it could have been.
1: Ross, uh, clearly good news, but uh, we're not doing well here. Uh, The the Saints missed a golden opportunity. And for those of you that followed the Saints prior to Sean Payton-Drew Brees, this was kind of standard run-of-the-mill type stuff that we saw on Sunday. Uh, talk me off the ledge here, Ross. Yeah,
7: I can't until the New Orleans Saints get their offensive line taken care of. I mean, you know, that, that's kind of <laughs> the biggest thing. I mean, to open up a 17-point lead, to lose your quarterback, and then to drop that 18 points on, you know, consecutive without without being able to answer over on the offensive side. Um, you know, there's a couple of different things there that I think the New Orleans Saints just have to show at this point. You know, I mean, We've been peppering them with questions about the offensive line since the offseason here, and now we're starting to see exactly why we were asking all of those questions. And, you know, it was a lot of wait and see, you let them get their legs up under them, things like that. Well, now you've got Caesar Reese, who's very likely going to be in concussion protocol. Um Andrews Pete also left the game at one point with an injury. And then the offensive line's inability to keep its quarterback protected ended up getting the quarterback hurt, right, or ended up in the quarterback getting hurt. And so until yeah. the Saints can answer that question and can show that the offensive line can protect the quarterback, I, I don't know how to talk anybody off of a ledge. The New Orleans Saints kind of need to do that. And then not taking a-, a chance at a 55-yard field goal and extending your lead, that's reminiscent of uh, what the Saints did last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay when they were up 17 and they decided to punt as opposed to taking, you know, I think they were on the 37 or so instead of taking a field goal there. So uh, I think, you know, you look at this team and, and, and they have a lot of things that they have to answer over on the offensive side. Even when Derek Carr was in the game, the offense still struggled to move the ball. So until they can fix that, it's tough to really strike a core belief in this team.
2: You know, it's funny how the NFL works if uh – uh If a field goal is made, if uh, Gropey makes the field goal, they're probably talking about Justin Love having a poor first home game start for the Packers because through three quarters he really did not accomplish that much. He came alive in the fourth quarter, Mm -hmm. credit to him. But with the Saints, I I just thought that when Winston came in, all you had to do was just engineer a drive for one score because the Saints never give up more than 20 points. And what I think in his first four drives, he only had two first downs. Was that because of the offensive line, or just his his indecision?
7: Uh, I, I think at that point, it's 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 how does your game plan get affected. I, I can't put that part on, especially can't put that on Winston. But I don't know that I would put that on the offensive line either, because the offensive line wasn't asked to pass protect very much during that. The Saints had five passing yards uh, in that third quarter, but they also only had eleven rushing, or excuse me, uh, nineteen rushing yards. Uh, in that quarter and that's where they went they went to the run game which is pretty standard when you have an emergency quarterback come in your game plan goes out the window all of a sudden you're just trying to protect the lead but a three-score lead should have been one that this team should have been able to protect and so you have to look at you know did the new orleans Saints make the right decisions when they brought Jameis winston in in terms of how they orchestrated those drives and how they put all of that together decisions that they made play calling all of those things but you also have to look back at the defense in the fourth quarter that, you know, effectively went bottoms out, um, not only giving up the, the, the two touchdowns and the, and the field goal, but the two-point conversion uh, as well on a couple of plays where yeah. they had, you know, Jordan Love dead to rights. And so I think that there's a lot of things that, that didn't go the way that they were expected to go for this New Orleans Saints team, especially after the first three quarters going into that fourth.
2: Well, the point is, it's not like Winston hasn't been there and done that. I mean, it's not like he's a rookie quarterback. That was my point. And with Olave having the season so far and Michael Thomas seemingly back, and you're saying the only you know, five passing yards in the third quarter, that makes no sense to me.
7: Yeah, I mean, again, that comes down to the game plan. And and I get that Jameis Winston has been in the offense before and he's won in the offense before and all of those things. But when you go in as the emergency quarterback, you've been leading the scout team all week you haven't been practicing with the team and getting their game plan in. And a game plan for Derek Carr here in week three of the 2023 season is not going to be the same as the last time that Jameis Winston game planned as a starting quarterback, which is week three of the 2022 season against the Carolina Panthers, who are you know, a different team, different unit, all those other things. So it's not just as simple as, oh, we'll we'll just plug in the emergency quarterback who's done this before and then have him just and then don't change anything. You have to change everything because it all goes out of the window. And that's part of what makes the sort of like emergency quarterback situation uh, so tough. That's not to say that the team will perform any better with a week of preparation with a different quarterback, but it's certainly very hard to have that sort of change of momentum and change the quarterback and still be able to execute your game plan in game.
2: You would think with Alvin Kamara coming back that run game would improve some, but if the offensive line doesn't get better, I'm not so sure.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's gonna be the biggest question mark. Like you can get Alvin Kamara back and certainly and he'll also help you in the passing game. I mean we saw I think it was the first screen thrown to a running back so far this season was one that was thrown to Kendra Miller who was, you know, one outstretched hand away from a pretty big play there. Uh, But, you know, once you get Alvin Kamara back, you see that element come back to the offense as well, sort of that short passing game. And that's the type of situation to where, you know, you could see the Saints then being able to move the ball a little bit more efficiently because they don't have to go downfield to move the ball. They don't have to go to the receivers out on the perimeter, which are are lower percentage throws, to, to move the ball. They can go to the middle of the field. They can go to their backfield, all these other things. And so I think that you'll see all of that continue to move for them as well. And then hopefully the Saints get Foster Moreau back next week because Foster Moreau is huge for them in the run game. And something that they very much missed in this game, even though they started to kind of tie together some run some run game, uh, a lot of it was individual running backs making the right cuts, making the right reads, things like that. So I think that if they get Boston Moreau back next week, when they get Alvin Kamara back next week, you'll see, well, hopefully they get Boston Moreau back next week. But uh, they'll get Alvin Kamara back next hopefully week, yeah. and then that should help them be able to, to produce a little bit on the ground.
2: You know, a lot went on yesterday in the NFL, but I think the most amazing thing – was that fullback, fullback for the Texans. Beck ran a kickoff back 85 yards on a muffed <laughs> uh, kickoff return. And the guy, like he's not obviously not a speedster. He must have broken about five or six tackles in the Texans' win. What did you take away? Anything you took away yesterday from the NFL?
7: Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, you guys mentioned it coming back in from the break, but, you know, Mike McDaniel – Putting up 70 points on a on a Sean Payton led Denver Broncos team is, is, is pretty astounding and and but I think the, the big takeaway from that game the other big takeaway from that game was having a chance to to break the record right they could have kicked the field goal for 73 yards and they opted not to and I think it was just a show of class by you know that Miami Dolphins organization and by Mike McDaniel who otherwise you know built a 50 point lead uh, on the Denver Broncos but I do think that that was something to be said about uh, passing up the historic moment. Uh, As a sign of respect to the other team, because you've done enough, right? You've kind of done enough here at the 50-point lead, 50-point win. You're good, Uh, and so that was a a really nice showing of respect from Mike McDaniel to Sean Payton. Uh, But certainly, that's something that Saints fans should be keeping an eye out on right now. is the fact that the Denver Broncos are 0-3, and the Saints own their top or their 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 second-round pick uh, this year. So. The more that Denver continues to lose, the better that pick gets and the the better opportunity the Saints have to get another quality top 50 player potentially with that selection.
5: Hey, uh,
1: always great to have you on, man, win or lose for the Saints. How can people continue to follow your coverage of this team?
7: Yeah, absolutely. You can find it all on the Locked on Saints podcast. Uh, Just search Locked on Saints on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. You can find all the written work over at Saints News Network, which you can find at saints.news on your browser or uh, si.com slash NFL slash Saints. You can find it all in the same place on Twitter at Ross Jackson, NOLA, and OLA.
1: Hey, man, we appreciate the time. We'll talk soon. Uh, safe travels.
7: Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Take, uh, take care. Talk to you soon.
1: Yep, that's Ross Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather are next. We'll uh, catch up with John Ricchetti do the Millet Golf Report. It's 730. South Alabama football coach Kane Walmack set to join us on the show. It's our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. We're broadcasting from Baumhauer's Wing Fingers here on Cottage Hill, just off Hillcrest. Come on by and see us. Man, they got an incredible Koneka Egg and Cheese Biscuit or try the Jimmy Dean Egg and Cheese Biscuit as well. Both served on a lightly buttered, fresh buttermilk biscuit with melted cheese, for only $4.49. Come on by and check out some of the great deals. Breakfast is amazing here. Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP continues next.
8: Hey, this is Stuart Sink for the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNFB Sports Radio in Mobile. <laughs>
1: Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff continues from Baumhauer's wing fingers here on the uh, right here on Cottage Hill, right off of uh, Hillcrest. Come on by and see us. They got tons of things going on here. Uh, Of course, Wingfingers has two locations to serve you, not just here on Cottage Hill Road and Hillcrest, but also in the Eastern Shore Village Center in Fairhope. So if you can't come by here for breakfast, make sure you come check out their lunch and their dinner menus.
2: Let's talk uh, some golf now with John Ricchetti, the Miller Lite Golf Report. Johnny, uh, obviously a very quiet weekend on the links, but it really revs up this coming weekend, right? Ryder Cup action.
9: Well, yeah, it's going to be looking forward to that. We'll start getting as uh, players start arriving today in Rome. As I imagine, some of them are over there already. I know some of the assistant captains, captains were playing on the Champions Tour. They had to get a uh, private jet out there to Rome. And I know Brooks, you know, Liv Golf was played in Chicago this weekend. Brooks Stepper was there. He's got to get on a plane over to Rome, which, by the way, was won by Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, shot a 28 on his final nine yesterday to win in Chicago on the Live Tour. That's now two wins for Bryson DeChambeau in the last three starts on Live Golf. So, And also, speaking of that, um, you got to look at also the Solheim Cup, which was I thought was magnificent. A lot of drama, exciting uh, match this weekend, uh, even though uh, the American team ended up tying – uh, but the Europeans retained the cup because they won a couple of years ago. So the European t- uh, team wins the Solheim Cup, which is equivalent to the men's Ryder Cup. So it was pretty interesting. I thought it was good right down to the wire, but congratulations to Team Europe. So all eyes are going to be in Rome, Italy this week as the Ryder Cup anticipated match uh, going on starting this uh, Friday. So we'll be looking forward to that. We'll have a complete recap. Of the Ryder Cup tonight at 6 o'clock.
2: Johnny, I can't thank you enough. We'll check in with you Friday, get more into that uh, Ryder Cup. You have a wonderful week, okay? All right, guys, take care. We got two games tonight, Mark Eagles, Bucks. We're not carrying that one on NSP, but that'll be televised. The other, the Rams and Bengals. You see where the Bengals signed A.J. McCarron over the weekend? I did. Uh, He went in for a
1: workout on Saturday, I believe, and then signed him later after the workout. So a huge opportunity
2: for A.J., and obviously uh, wish him the best of luck there. Yeah, because of the injury questions with uh, Joe Burrow now, and uh, I guess he's questionable tonight. I I don't know for sure. You never know in these NFL things, but... yeah, and I don't know if A.J.'s been there long enough to even get some action tonight, but Cincinnati's the team that originally drafted him back in 2014. So there's somebody in the app uh, wants me to give Alabama credits uh,
1: for a good win. Uh, Bama was down at half and dominated second half for a good win, yet, Mark, you still don't give them any credit whatsoever. That's the vibe I get because you'd be shouting from the rooftop had they lost. I think my biggest issue I mean, if you want to pat them on the back for beating a team they should beat and have beaten the last eight years, then by all means. My, my problem with it is all the things that we've talked about for the last ad nauseum for weeks continue to rear their ugly head, right? So you guys are doing exactly what Nick Saban tells you not to do, which is look at the scoreboard. He wants you to play play-by-play and do the little things right, and they're still not doing those things right, right? They're still taking touchdowns off the board. They've still got penalties. You were negative 22 yards First and goal from the, what was it, two? One. From the one? Yes. <laughs> from the one. But, yeah,
2: you know what? They play with a lot of
1: heart. There's a different standard there, guys. Or I thought there was. Maybe there isn't with you guys. <laughs> maybe, maybe there isn't. Maybe you're okay with that. They've got to fix those problems, and he's been unable
2: to fix those problems. Give them some extra credit. I want extra credit. Yeah. No, it, it, Mark's right. They had 12 negative plays in the first half. Yeah. I mean, how to get around something like that, and what was the was it like? What was the score? Seven, seven to three or something? Seven Half-time six? Or something six three? I don't remember. Yeah. See, uh, I think
1: Michael disagrees with me, right, Michael? You disagree?
10: Well, Mark, at a certain point, they won the game. You know, they were down. They showed a lot of heart. At a certain point, you got to understand this team is what it is. They're greatly limited on offense. Milrow is. You know, he does some nice things, but he's going to make a mistake pretty much every game. I give him a little bit of credit. They shut down a good offense completely. On uh, The defense is phenomenal. Uh, defense travels. And, yeah, I mean, they're not the same team that they've been the last decade. It is what it is. So at a certain point, yeah, I'm going to be I'm gonna be happy every time they show a little bit of heart and don't roll over and die. I, I, I was pretty happy with the way the second half went.
2: You should be. How about the first half?
10: I mean, it was frustrating, uh, but you know they didn't roll over and die. Did, like you, it kind of looked like they were about to.
1: They showed some heart. You think they showed more? You you think they showed some? You think they showed more heart in the second half than they did in the first half?
10: Well, I think that would go without saying. Yeah.
1: It's something to build off Why, of. Because, like this team
10: is what it is. So, They're probably not going to win a national championship. So you know.
1: So the level of heart that you show has a direct reflection of. Of the like, the outcome is a direct reflection of the amount of heart you give. So, if, so they gave more heart simply because they were more successful. Is that how that works?
10: They also bullied Ole Miss around in the second half and ran the ball successfully and just you know out-physicaled them and the defense completely shut them down. I, I mean, it was a, it was a dominating performance in the second half.
1: It was. I love heart. Heart's good. Heart to heart. Heart to heart. Okay. When we come back, Kane Womack will join us. We'll figure out what happened there yesterday, or I'm sorry, on Saturday, with uh, South Alabama football, Matt Cohen on Auburn at 8, Mike Rodak at 8.30. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us right here on the sports station, WNSP. Thirty-two. thanks for hanging with us. Our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff continues from Baumhauer's Wing Fingers. Uh, come on by and see the fine folks here. Man, they got the uh, full pound of wings with fries and drink for only eight ninety-nine. Choose from the traditional Baumhauer's Buffalo-style wings or 10 other original flavors. Ask for the Just Wing It special when placing your order. So if you can't come by for some of the great breakfast, make sure you get over here for lunch and for dinner.
2: And get yourself one of these. Tasty biscuits, which Mark <laughs> talked me into with the honey butter. <laughs> yeah, really and twisted your arm on that. He really did. We want to appreciate that? Uh, Kane Womack, the South Alabama football coach, is on the line with us right now. Kane, thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you today?
3: Good morning. Glad to be on with y'all.
2: Well, I we had some chairs here. I was hoping maybe maybe down the road, if we're back at Wingfingers, you could come join us. Love to have you in person. But let me ask you this: in hmm. the uh, story that I read the uh, post game you used the term reckless emotion and i don't know if that was your quote or just inserted in there but what if in fact that's what you told the team what does that mean reckless emotion in describing the end of that game
3: well you know i think um this was a, a team this past weekend you know certainly they were chippy pushing behind the whistle some of those things right but you just have to stay focused on your job and you do your job in between the whistles, and then you go on to the next play. And we had, uh, you know, a couple guys uh, that I thought, you know, started to talk a little bit as the game went on. Uh, but certainly at the end, um, you know, when, when when we lose our cool uh, in the moment uh, and, and cost our team, you're always choosing yourself uh, above your teammates, whether it's your own ego, whether it's self-preservation, whatever it is. Um, when you make a decision to have a, a, an unsportsmanlike penalty, it, you're always choosing yourself over everybody else around you, and, and that obviously was a very costly thing. Uh, and so in those big moments, our players, you know, that's a very, very hard lesson to learn, one that I hate uh, that we had to learn. Um, but, but I hope that we will grow from it uh, not only as an individual but but as a football team as well. So,
1: help us out here for those of us that weren't at the stadium was there a, was did someone swing on one of the the other guys a, a player or was there just some no, push yeah. and shoving there
3: uh, had one of our one of our players um uh just was was uh communicating his frustration to a to an official um and uh you know that the chippiness that went on and went on the whole game and just communicating gotcha. that to the official but uh, you you know at some point you gotta you gotta slow down and 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 just say hey my point was made as best I could um, and and uh, officials got a job to do I got a job to do I got to get off the field um, and was given an opportunity yeah. to do that and and just didn't uh, and so those are things that you know myself as a head coach you know I I have to take uh, uh, one responsibility but but most importantly. Um, we got to make sure that our players understand how to get better from that, um, and and certainly how costly those things are. It was a very costly uh, penalty at the end of a game, um, and certainly not the way we want to represent this university, um, or city, or football program. Uh, but but you know, in our darkest moments, um, I hope right that we can we can get the most out of of how we move forward, uh, and that certainly is going to be the message to that young man.
2: We are talking with Kane Womack, the uh, South Alabama football coach. Kane, in ESPN's College Football Final, at the end of that one-hour show, they give out stars. They they target certain players that had really great games. And one of the ones this week was the Central Michigan quarterback Jace Bauer, who accounted for five touchdowns. I believe though he didn't start the game, did he? Didn't he come off the bench?
3: Yeah, they've had two quarterbacks that have kind of gone back and forth. Uh, I think one of them was uh, injured or sick uh, last week against Notre Dame, um, number three, and so uh, uh, Bert Emanuel. And so Jace kind of came in and played the entire game, played really well. When you're going into the week of preparation, he was – you know, by far the best quarterback Um, and, uh, and certainly, you know, they rolled with him pretty quickly. I think, you know, whatever it was third second or third series uh, and then he played the rest of the game. So very good quarterback, very tough and competitive. Uh, They had some great um, uh, quarterback run game stuff in the first half that we had to adjust to. Uh, And I thought we actually adjusted to some of those things pretty nicely. Uh, But, you know, when you get off to a 14 nothing start, you get stops on defense, you go score on offense, you have to just keep doing those same level uh, jobs over and over again. I thought that's where our players um, did not execute in the second quarter, let them get some momentum back, uh, and then just uh, they made more plays than we did in the second
6: half.
1: Kane, you know, I think some people will, will talk about you know the big win the week before, and maybe being a letdown. But I didn't think that was it because you guys came out so sharp. Um, did did was there just a sense that maybe we got too comfortable there, or did did were there just some changes made uh, from from Central Michigan? Like how how did yeah? Do you have a chance to kind of take that all in perspective? Yeah, I think
3: yeah, I think you have to you know look at those things right. Of or did you get your team prepared right after a. Uh, you know, a a win and and a big win on the road and power five opponent, all those things, right? Uh, I think you look to the first quarter. I I, I feel like we had a great week of preparation. Um, Our guys were really locked in before the game, um, executed at a really high level. I mean, we played probably some of our best football just right there in the first quarter, offense, defense, special teams that we've played all season. Um, and, and I think, you know, there was a, a, a moment there, right, where uh, when they went down and drove, um, we, we played too much on our heels in that moment. I don't know, you know, when you look at it, you've got to play each snap as it's the most important play of the game. And all of a sudden, when you don't do that, you give just a little opportunity for momentum um, uh, to creep in on the other side. And, and you know, we fought back in that in the third quarter, even the fourth quarter, uh, very proud of what our offense was able to accomplish to go up with about two and a half minutes to go in the game. Um, but we certainly had some lulls offensively where we didn't respond offensively when they had a scoring drive, and so we didn't play complimentary football. And then ultimately, you know, your defense has to come up with a stop at the end of the game, and we weren't able to do that. And so, you know, the truth is, you know, they were able to play each snap harder uh, or more consistent than we did uh, in in the second half to come up with, uh, with, you know, one or two more plays. And, you know, that's a really hard lesson to learn as a football team, especially coming after uh, a great win and what we're capable of. But, unfortunately, we're still a team that had to learn that lesson.
2: Kane Womack joining us this morning. So, Kane, uh, if you could update us on the injury list, uh, if anybody – is missing in action because you have Sundell Conference opener this week on the road against a very tough and undefeated James Madison team, which will be televised uh, this coming Saturday at 11 a.m. What's the health of this Jag football program?
3: Well, I think uh, I think we're in an okay position uh, from this last week. I don't think we had anything major, um, uh, you know, from a from an injury standpoint. You know, of course, you know the the guys that are, have already been out, you know, for the season are are out. Um, and uh, and that's, that's always hard, you know, especially uh, when they're great young men, but also great football players. Uh, but, you know, that's part of it, right? You, you have the depth to navigate uh, your way uh, each week and get the right guys out there. And I thought some of these guys that have been playing in positions of players that are already out are doing a tremendous job. Uh, I'll, I'll point to, you know, Jordan Davis, our left tackle. Josh McCullough has been out the last two weeks. And Jordan's done a really phenomenal job um, as a young guy at the left tackle position. Um, and, uh, and certainly that wide receiver room has stepped up in the place of, of Devin Boyson. Colin Lacey's doing a tremendous job. Jamal Pritchett, Javon Ivory. So some of those things are, are always going to be there, navigating your way through through injuries in the year. Um, but I think this is a team that's got a lot of fight in them, and I think we're going to have a great response in our week of preparation, and then go do the best we can uh, against James Madison on Saturday.
1: Yeah, Kane. I, I, I've been accused by some of our listeners of being a little bit of a negative Nancy this morning with some other teams. So let me let me be the optimist here. I know no one likes to lose, but if there's one to drop in a in a way in a, in a fashion like this, uh, this one certainly isn't the, a, a bad one to choose from, right? It, it kind of you can build on this. You can point to this and say you see what happens when you have a letdown or you don't let your emotions get the best of you like you have to come to play every single down of every game and here's an example and you can show them this all season long right
3: well i think mark you, you bring up a really great point you know when you have a non-conference schedule uh, at the beginning of the season you hope uh, that you take great lessons you learn about your team you adjust things on your team and you take lessons from those hardships and those, uh, you know, success, um, and you apply it to the rest of your season, particularly when you get into conference play, right? And so those are the things that I am hopeful, right, that we're going to be able to do as a team uh, because I think we've put some really good football out there and we've put some things that, uh, that we need to certainly get corrected and some hard lessons that we have to learn. I mean, building consistency in 18 to 22 year old men is one of the hardest things that you're going to do on a football field when other people are competing against you it's a really really challenging thing and it's the thing I said that we had to do here you know when I first took the head coaching job and as hard as it is right we're just not quite there yet and so you hope uh, that we take the you know the hardship of a moment like this and apply it to the rest of our season And if we do uh, this is a team that, you know, when when we're doing what we need to do, I think we can be a, a very, very capable football team.
1: Before we let us go, I'm I'm curious because I caught some of the radio broadcasts and your comments at the end. Uh, somebody had mentioned uh, on the air that you were meeting with Dr. Erdman right there before you came on and did your post game. I'm just curious, is that something you guys normally do, and what's what's that conversation generally like right after a game?
3: You know, he uh, Joel Erdman is one of the most supportive. People I've ever been with. He is a he is an unbelievable athletic director. Um, You know, does does the groundwork, shows up, supports, um, comes up to my office every Sunday morning, brings brings a box of donuts for the staff, sits in there, walks the hallways. I mean, just just a person that um, truly you feel like is in the foxhole with you. Um, And so we always, uh, you know, just have a moment with each other to. Um, uh, to let each other know how much we appreciate them, and and uh, and just kind of talk through quickly some of some of the things that I saw, um, and and really just for him to offer his support. So uh, I, I very much appreciate those moments with him, and um, and I wanted him to know, you know, I, I didn't think that we represented ourselves very well at the end of the game, particularly with that unsportsmanlike penalty, and those are the things that you know that I want to make sure. Uh, our fan base, our administration, our university, City of Mobile know that we want to represent this uh, this community uh, the right way, win or lose, um, and, and certainly I didn't think we did that in that moment, and that's something that I, I need to make sure uh, is addressed as the head coach.
1: Kane, okay, really do appreciate you coming aboard with us, man. Uh, best of luck um, the rest of the way. and We look forward to doing it again soon. Okay, thanks, guys. Jay's up and Elio. That's South Alabama football coach Kane Womack here on WNSP. All right, when we come back, uh, we will wrap up our number two. We are at Wing Fingers, Baumhauer's Wing Fingers right here on Cotton Hill. Come on by and say hi right off Hillcrest. they got a ton of great deals. Breakfast is where it's at. You've heard me talk about the Gooey Grits Bowl. I'm trying to get Lee to get get in on one. He's all over that honey butter or biscuit over there. Uh, but the – Home-style grits, bacon, homemade gooey cheese, a biscuit, and top with two freshly cracked eggs. You will not eat for the rest of the day, I guarantee it. Come on in, meet Lee Shervanian, talk some football with us. We're going to come back and wrap up our number two uh, with our WNSP team of the day. We'll talk Auburn at 8 o'clock. We'll talk Alabama at 8.30. we got a chance for you guys to get qualified for the Alec and Catering Party of up to 15 or 13, me and Lee. we got a lot going on here. It's a Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP.
4: Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP
1: 105.5. All right, it's 749, welcome back in as we... Wrap up our number two of our Monday morning quarterback edition from Baumhauer's Wing Fingers here on Cottage Hill Road. It's time to talk about our WNSP team of the day. That are the fine folks over at Presley Roofing. They have a ton of different options for you, and nobody better to explain it all to you than George Spurlock, who joins us here on WNSP. George, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know it's a busy time of year for you guys, but like you always say, you always have time for your customers.
8: Yeah. Good morning, Mark. Uh, it, we really do try to, you know, go above and beyond to be there for our customers. One of the things that we pride ourselves on is, you know, there are folks in the roof of business that make a good living chasing after storms when they happen, but we, we, our model is to really just stay here and take care of our customers at home here in Mobile and Baldwin County, and so one of the things... That we really are proud of is, that You can always count on us, you know, to be here when you need us.
1: Uh, and we always talk about some of the n- a number of things that you guys have to offer, but the truth of the matter is, uh, you guys get a lot of your business from referrals, which is uh, from from other customers, which says everything you need to know about Presley Roofing.
8: Yeah. So one of the things that's really cool is that uh, very often we're now roofing homes of grandchildren of some of our original customers from back in the 50s and the 60s. And so uh, it's just kind of great to build that relationship in the community over the decades that we've been in business. This is our 74th year in business, and so, you know, that really works to our advantage, and, and, you know, there's a lot of trust built, you know, in that relationship with people over time.
1: He's George Spurlock of Presley Roofing. Uh, He will speak to each of you individually if you call them for more information. They can prepare you uh, for oncoming storms. They have a number of preventative measures and give you free estimates. How can people get more information, George?
8: Yeah, call the office, talk to Samantha at 251-457-6598, or you can find us on Facebook or go to our website, presleyroofinginc.com.
1: Hey, George, have a great week. We appreciate it. He's with Presley Roofing, WNSP's team of the day. All right, you guys can get in there. Uh, we got a number of things we need to talk about. Alabama, Auburn, Colorado, and Oregon uh, was interesting. Uh, Notre Dame and, and Ohio State might have been one of the better games of the day. Next
2: to Florida State-Clemson. Yeah. That yep. game was unbelievable, and it was the, one of the early games. And obviously, with the way Auburn was not performing well offensively, so I'd be switching back and forth. And then the Florida State game uh, went overtime when Clemson missed a field goal. Did you hear what happened on this? They they had a kicker for like four years, and he graduated, and he left, and he was taking online courses at another school. Dabo Sweeney called him back and said, "Would you come back and kick for us?" And he did and he had the chance to be the the hero in that game and missed the field goal, which sent the game into overtime. And that, for all intents and purposes, eliminates Clemson from any Final Four consideration. Their second loss, second conference loss. Florida State obviously stays in the mix, but I see where the AP voters kind of – I thought it was a great win for Florida State. They're on the road, they're playing Clemson, and they pull it out. They didn't have the lead until overtime. But yet they uh, knocked them down from four to five. So yeah. that that's the case. But that you know was still that and the Notre Dame game were the best games.
1: Yeah. Uh, someone had mentioned in the app yet yeah, Notre Dame not only had only ten guys on the field for that winning touchdown, but he had them for two consecutive plays. So when he was asked about it in the postgame, he said he didn't want to take a penalty by running somebody on with an illegal substitution there and give them another shot. But as it turned out, they had two shots anyway, and they needed. <laughs> Ohio State scored exactly where that defensive lineman was missing from. You you just can't make those mistakes in high-profile games, and I know we'll never really know who that person was. I don't know if it was a lack of communication from coaches or the call was made and the the personnel change was was announced and that guy just didn't run out on the field. But you can't be out there on the goal line with only ten guys.
2: Exactly, and here's the case. So if they had called the timeout, and the penalty was taken. We're talking half-a-yard penalty because yeah. the ball was at the one-yard right. line. So they move it to the one-half-yard line. Big deal.
1: All right, you guys can jump in uh, if you want. Uh, so there's a lot being made about Colorado and Deion Sanders and Oregon. And I don't think anybody on this show thought, Colorado was gonna beat Oregon
2: I know we I pick I don't remember who you picked. I picked Oregon to win fairly easy I picked I knew Oregon was gonna win I I don't remember if I took the points in Colorado I thought it'd be a little closer than 42 to 6 but it obviously wasn't Oregon's a very powerful team Uh, their coach Dan Lanning you know he was uh, kind of boisterous and vocal against Deion remember prior to the season he made some comments about Colorado, about when they decided to move to the uh, Big 12. And he had some uh, – He had, the, the comments he made probably are not going to haunt them anymore because I don't know if they'll ever – they won't be playing Colorado for a while, I wouldn't think, because the Oregon's going to the Big 10. Well, It's not like they're going to be facing them year in and year out about, well, we're more interested in wins than clicks and things like that.
1: So here's my thing. I – Dylan's right about one thing everybody's trying to beat him like they're not interested in beating colorado yeah everybody wants to get the w and all that but certainly but that's kind of what he's created that and and i'm not saying it's bad because he's put colorado on the map and he's brought a notoriety and recruits are calling and like he's he's what he's done has been a success story for colorado but with that comes the unintended consequences of guys taking shots, of guys wanting to get after him and to kind of put him in his place. So it doesn't surprise me that Bo Nix and Oregon went in there and did that to a Colorado team that we talked about had just an awful defense. But it it, it doesn't look like that's going to let up anytime soon with USC coming to town. It's already been a success. I think you get the early wins, you, got, you bring in a little confidence, you have, you bring this notoriety to your program, but now reality kind of sets in a little bit. And even Dion said, you better come at me now because this is the worst team I'll
2: have. Now, I guess we'll find out. They had Southern Cal coming up this week, so that's obviously going to be a, potentially another loss too. We figured that what? Well, well prior to the season, we, I felt that if they could get five to six wins, It'd be a, a vast accomplishment from a team that won win, one win a year ago. And if they got to six wins it became eligible, I thought that would be a huge story for this program, which has been irrelevant for many, many years. So I still think they're on pace. Now, they're going to have to steal a few wins and obviously missing Travis Hunter for the next game or two you know doesn't help and he w- he wouldn't have made that much of a difference no. against Oregon Bonix and and company had a fantastic game Dan Lanning is rising up the uh, ladder as to a coach to to watch that you know somebody he'll be on somebody's radar as is Deion to be honest with you we don't know how long Deion's going to last at Colorado i mean they, they, some school may come calling you know down the road seeing what he did in this year but Lanning's comments and I started to think about it, they're not going to really backfire on him. And again, because he's going to one conference, Colorado's going to another, so they're really not going to be meeting, I don't think, anytime soon. Uh,
1: Okay, so coming up, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk some Auburn at 8 o'clock. Clearly, uh, there's some quarterback and offensive issues there at Auburn, which was not supposed to be the case,
2: right? Not as bad as what I saw against California and against Texas A&M, I saw nothing. Now, that being said, give credit to their defense. The defense kept them in the game.
1: Yeah, uh, and as far as Jimbo Fisher is concerned, clearly he understands the, the, where he's supposed to be on defense, but you've got to make that tackle. You have to make that tackle. It would have prevented a scoop and score. You're in position. Just go ahead and wrap up. Just wrap up. And then at 830, we'll talk Alabama. For those of you that are just joining us, we had this whole conversation about heart. So yes. They won. So I guess they had more heart than Ole Miss.
2: Do they have a play in the playbook where the quarterback takes a snap under center, do you think? I'm sure they do. I hope they do. Who
1: was it? I think it was an NFL game. It might have been the Saints. Was it the Saints? There was a there was an error on the uh, graphic. It said it was like Third and seventy six. It was supposed to be like third and seven or third and six It said seventy-six. I was like, man, they must, they do not have anything in the playbook for that. Alright, here we go. Uh, hour number two in the books. Come by and see us. We're still here at uh, Wing Fingers here on Cottage Hill. Come grab some breakfast. It is delish. Coming up next, hour number three and a chance for you to get qualified for the Alec Naming Catering Party. Stay with us right here on the sports station, WNSP.
0: This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Schervenian, and Michael Bronner. The opening, kickoff. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael.
1: All right. Hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us. It's a Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee, we're at Baumhauer's Wing Fingers here on Cottage Hill, just off the Hillcrest. Come on by and see us. We're here till nine. Breakfast is being served and uh, we are getting into it, actually, as we speak. And if you haven't had a chance to come by and see us, you know, this morning, make sure you check them out here at lunch and or dinner.
2: Headlines over the weekend, of course. uh, the NFL, we talked about the Saints uh, getting beat in the fourth quarter, only the second time they've blown a lead as much as 17 points in the fourth quarter. Second time since uh, 2012, they got beat by Green Bay, 18-17. Uh, Dallas losing to Arizona, kind of a surprise. So so was Jacksonville losing to the Texans. And then, of course, Miami, 70 points against uh, Denver, 70-20. to 20. They missed by two points, the all-time single-game record they could have actually broken it they had a chance to kick a field goal at the end decided to uh, take a knee to their credit so that's what happened in the NFL also AJ McCarron very familiar with him has signed with Cincinnati Cincinnati plays the Rams tonight I don't know if Joe Burrow is healthy enough to play he was questionable we'll carry that game at seven o'clock turn our attention now to Auburn and Matt Cohen covers Auburn for al.com matt first of all thank you for taking time to join us good morning how are you today
11: i am good how are you guys it's good to be back in alabama after a long road trip this weekend
2: i i can imagine all right when we had you on after the california game you graded the offense a d i love watching your grade reports i'm glad i'm not in your class the auburn offense got an f this weekend and i think you were being generous because i don't know if you can go lower than an f all right we could spill we could talk all day about the deficiencies they had but my question to start off the show can they get what do they do to improve what's what's there to indicate that they can get better with georgia coming up this coming saturday
11: we were talking about that on the on the uh, on the flight home. And it's it's an interesting question. It's like, what what do you do? Because the immediate answer is like, oh, you just you know you figure out how to have some better quarterback play. But I'm not really sure where that comes from, honestly. And it's you know, you obviously would like to see Peyton Thorn play a lot better. Um, there are questions though after you bench him about. Has he earned the starting job? And, and I think that's going to be a question to Hugh Freeze today. We'll hear from him around eleven or so this morning um, about just what what do you do next at quarterback? And I think you know you could consider putting someone out, someone different out there. But then you go to the other side of the coin, and it's well, you're going to put out you know Robbie Ashford or Holden Gurner against Georgia. That doesn't make a lot of sense either. So I, I don't – and, you know, even after Georgia, you have a bye week followed by LSU and Ole Miss. Uh, there's not really, a, you know, an opponent to try out these new things against. You go, like, with a super run-heavy offense with Ashford. um you know but they just have shown no ability to throw the ball with any of the quarterbacks i, mean, I think if you look at the combined trio of peyton thorne robbie ashford and holden durner through four games i think they have like 600 and some totally total passing yards between the three of them and 280 of them were peyton thorne against Sanford. so it's just it's been a mess and i don't you know, I don't think any of them have shown any flashes of being the answer. And, and to take Peyton Thorne's game against Sanford as showing he's the guy would be way too, you know, overvaluing Sanford because it's, you know, I, I don't mean to criticize Sanford, but, like, that's the worst team Auburn's played this season. Um, and it's hard to take away that Peyton Thorne is, you know, going to do that again against an SAC defense because he's clearly proven he has two power five opponents this season that, that he hasn't been able to perform.
1: So to that point, though, uh, and thanks for joining us, Hugh Freeze has talked about not having his quarterback until the summer, not having his wide receivers to the summer. Is there something to that or is that, for lack of a better term, just kind of an excuse?
11: I could see it being both, honestly. I, I mean obviously it's it's hard to intertwine your quarterback and your wide receivers, um which of which, you know, obviously Peyton Thorne got here over the summer, so his first real practice with Auburn was fall camp in the beginning of August. So he's he's real he hasn't even been part of this Auburn team in terms of actually playing football for I mean, not even two whole months yet. So yes, there probably is some of that. Could it also be an excuse a little bit? Yeah. Um I-
2: you still there Matt you still with us well he may be we're not hearing him though but uh, and I if we lost it if we lost him uh, Michael please try to get him back on because I have many more questions but I'm see I'm not buying that mark I'm sorry we saw Sam Hartman came in late to Notre Dame I, I if I put my mind to it, think about all these other quarterbacks the, all the transfers coming in like that uh, and, and you you only get like 56 yards passing, and you're sacked five times. And now he's not responsible for all the five yard offsides or delay of game penalties that Auburn piled up. But just because you know you still you still were there for the fall camp, which to me is you know w- w- you got time there, or you go back to Robbie Ashford and he didn't have any much more success than uh, than Thorne did. So I, I just because of all the you know, quarterbacks that transfer and some come in, and if you're good, you're going to find receivers. Heck, they got receivers there. Yeah. Just get them the ball. Get, get that Fairweather's. Fairweather. Looks to me like a, a guy you could throw to and have success, but they don't target him that
1: much. Yeah, I thought Peyton Thorne, first of all, did not play well. I think he had, like, three overthrows in the first 16 minutes of the game. He overthrew Fran. He, over, he overthrew Fair um, on that wheel. Um, you know, Caden Brown missed the ball on on that third and long uh, there's just there's just not there. It's just not there right now. I, I do think the running backs, I think they're good, man. I think they hit the hole hard. I think they, they, they juke well. They make guys miss. But that passing game just leaves a lot to be desired well, right what now. What
2: happened, they got off to a decent, a decent start running the football. Yeah. But I think the fact that A&M just totally took away the passing game. They were sacking quarterbacks left and right obviously putting in the hands of the running game and then when auburn is not the type of team that can come from behind let's get to matt cohen again i'm sorry we lost you matt uh pick up where you left off about uh mark asked you about the quarterback coming in late see i'm not buying into that because other quarterbacks go to programs late and and do a lot better than auburn has so but continue along that uh, line of thinking yeah
11: Sorry, I got this guy. The same thing actually happened to me. I was calling into the uh, to the A and M radio show, and I was showing up to College Station. The same thing. So I must be having some bad luck recently. But yeah, uh, um, but I think what's, what's what's interesting about Thorne, and, and I agree. Like I, I don't think that you know, if that is something that that Auburn is is using as an excuse, I don't think it's a fully valid one because again, like you you wouldn't give him the keys to the offense if you didn't think he was he was ready and the one year he was truly successful with with michigan state he had a pretty good offensive line in front of him a pretty decent stable of wide receivers and kenneth walker to hand the ball off to. he doesn't have really any of that at auburn um auburn has you know i would say a deep running back room that may have gotten Significantly less deep. If Demari Alston looks to have suffered a pretty serious injury um, against against A and M, um, but you you know you you have a lot of good in that running back room. I don't think there's really a star in that running back room. Um, the wide receivers, Jay Fair has been pretty good, but other than that, you haven't really seen a, a lot out of that group. And, and sure, you could say the same thing about you know some of them, some of some of those receivers got here over the summer too, but. You know, again, it, it, it's been four games by this point. Like, there should be, as, as, at some point, you know, maybe that excuse works in the first game, but not after a month. And I just don't really know where the help comes from right now because the combination of receivers that were struggling to get open, uh, has talked a lot about receivers running wrong routes, but even when they were running the right routes, there was, you know, bad decisions being made, overthrows, just nothing was on the same page. And, unless that gets sorted out really quickly, it's going to be an ugly, ugly game against Georgia this coming weekend.
2: In, indeed it is. And then what about all the uh, delay of game penalties, the five-yard penalties? Uh, mm. I just go on and on and on. So there's a lot of room for improvement. I will say this, the defense still looks good. It's a shame yeah. that they have such a good defense and then the defense kept them in the game. I have a question for you. I don't know if you discussed this. If on that run back, uh, when Auburn scored the only touchdown, the defensive touchdown, if the guy carrying the ball had run into uh, Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> would they have given him a touchdown?
11: Um, you know, I, I'm not an expert on that part of the rule book, but I, I, I did I did write a story about that after the game, and I asked uh, I, Eugene Asante, who was the linebacker who, who ran that back, um, about just, like, did you even notice that, there was a coach there um and he was like yeah you know i i, I got the ball turned up wait a minute there's there's someone there what's happening here um and it was it it was he he was he called it shocking and bizarre to see a coach on the field I think if Auburn had won the game you would have gotten maybe a funnier answer out of Asante who tends to be pretty good with the media um but but, like you could tell he was pretty upset about the game so maybe not his most eloquent answer of all time but um but then on the other side of it uh, I was not able to make it over to uh Jimbo Fisher's press conference but Someone asked him about it too, and 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 Jimbo said that he thought the play was dead, so he walked out in the field. He didn't actually realize the ball had been fumbled, so he was going out to yell at someone because they had they hadn't run the play that he was asking for, and then all of a sudden, Asante is just whizzing past him, coming I mean, down the sideline, and Jimbo's like, "I'm glad I didn't get flattened because he, you know that." Probably would have been a very 100% legal opportunity just to put Jimbo into the turf if you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> he would
1: have been a he would have been a national hero or at least a state hero if he
2: plowed yeah. into him. Hey Matt, God yes. Isn't is car- isn't that carrying the uh, theme of Texas A&M the 12th man a little too far though?
11: Oh, a tad. Um, and like if you're gonna be the 12th man, like at least line up for tackle or something. Like he didn't even. You know, he didn't even try. It's like, it's like, get in his way, trip him. You can be like Mike Tomlin when he stepped on the field in that raven Steelers game about 10 years ago. It's just it's just do something. If you're going to be out on the field anyway, contribute, I guess, to help your offense.
2: Auburn got, a, I thought, a huge break early in that game. I was curious, was there any um, thought given to the uh, play where A&M apparently scored a touchdown on defense. It was called back. I thought it was just a toss sweep, and they called it a incomplete pass. I, was there much talk about that in the press room? That's so. I don't think that was asked
11: about um, in Auburn's press conference. At least I'm just thinking quickly back on it. Um, but at, at least from the A&M press box, which is about 10,000 feet in the air, um, it looked like a toss sweep from where we were sitting. But you you watch it back, and actually Damari Alston, who was the running back on that play, was. Running so fast for the sweep that Peyton Thorne actually had to toss the ball ahead of him, so it ended up being a forward pass because Alston was going too quickly. Um, and a pa- and you know, this was hard to tell from the review, but the I, I guess what was determined is it was a forward pass that he never had control over. So when the ball was knocked out, then it what that it was just an incomplete pass and not a fumble. Um, Auburn got a break. For sure, I could have seen that going the other way, 100. percent But even regardless of the break, the bigger situation there is Auburn potentially lost Amari Austin to a long-term injury on that on that on that play because he was just hit so hard. It looked like an arm or a shoulder injury. Um, we haven't gotten official confirmation of, of the extent of it. Um, he got he got X-rays. We know after the game and was in a sling on the sideline. Um, so it it, it it didn't look good. Um, so regardless of the points there, the bigger situation is, is, is Alton's injury, who's been really good this season.
1: Hey, Matt, great stuff. We appreciate you coming aboard here on this Monday edition. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things Auburn. Yeah, so check us out,
11: obviously, on, uh, on AL.com, uh, on the Auburn Tigers section of the website. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Matt underscore Cohen underscore, or shoot me an email if you want to make fun of me at uh at uh, ale.com.
1: I will uh, make sure to highlight that last part for you, man. Thanks for coming aboard. We appreciate it. Have a good week. <laughs> we'll do it again soon. Thanks for having me. Yep. All right, uh, traffic and weather are next as we continue here on our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. We're here at Wing Fingers right off of uh, Cottage Hill there off of Hillcrest. Come by and see us. Uh, breakfast still being served i put a dent in this bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Lee, you did the the honey biscuit over there? Is that what you did? All done. All done? All done. It's a good time here. Come on by and see us. It's Sports Radio 105.5 FM, WNSP, and WNSP.com.
4: This is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSP 105.5
3: come on everybody I say, now let's play a game I bet you I could make a rhyme out of anybody's name. The first letter of all
1: right game. 825 here's your chance the Alec yeah. Naman catering party of up to 15 or 13 me and Lee it's very simple it's another edition of naming it that's right we play a clip audio person plays with thing be the first person. To call Bronner at 694 to correctly identify said clip, and that will get you qualified for a chance to win said catering party. All right, Mr. Bronner, let it rip. Right, they're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. All right, there you go. It's a real easy one on this Monday. We figure we start the week out. It's Monday. You guys are dragging a little bit after a long weekend. Maybe it was successful. Maybe it wasn't either way. It's early want to get you started on the right foot so be the first one to call Bronner at 694-1055 and you will be uh, you'll be ready
2: you'll be in the you'll be in the running and then uh, Alec will come on Friday we'll be at uh, St. Michael's for our game day and he will pick from among the nine qualifiers and maybe you get a tailgating party for you and however many yep Uh,
1: okay so um,
2: here's the question we've
1: talked a lot about Alabama and Auburn is Auburn's offensive woes fixable more or less fixable than say Alabama's
2: penalty issue well Auburn has penalty issues too if you you did see the game yeah. I did every other play was a five yard either delay a game they had trouble getting in plays uh, right now I would say they don't appear to be that fixable because I'm not sure which quarterback can get the job done if any uh they missed a lot of open I say they missed open receivers Hugh Freeze himself said we had receivers that were open their decision making wasn't there and maybe that's what led to the sacks there was a five or six sacks by Texas A&M so right now I don't going into Georgia Mark I'm not very optimistic (laughs) I'm telling you I mean it defensively Defense can probably keep in the game for a while. I don't think Georgia's offense is as potent as it was last year. But still, I don't see how Auburn can score on Georgia, to be honest, unless the defense scores. Speaking of Dallas
1: is the big winner. He got qualified. That was an easy one. I told you it would be an easy one. That was Dan Lanning, the Oregon coach. Uh, that was Those were the comments made uh, prior. That was the pregame speech that got them all fired up. Uh, now, dude walks out there up 35-0 at half. And he says we're not done yet. I hope all the people that have been watching are watching today.
2: So yeah, Dan Lanning had a, a point to make, and I glad his team made it. I thought De- uh, Deion handled it well in the post game. He did. Get me now. Yeah, because uh, after this year, but he did. He was he was uh, gracious in defeat. Uh, wasn't making excuses, didn't say we were missing this guy or that guy. He knew Oregon was a much better team.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll say he has really handled himself well. For all the flash and stuff that some people may not like, I mean, you know, the death threats against the, the kid at Colorado State, he came out against that. Like, when it would it would have been easy for him to be like, that dude deserved everything he'd get because that was a cheap shot and, and got my guy out for weeks. Like, like I think he's handled himself uh, on both ends of the spectrum really well. Did you see the uh, Oregon Duck try to troll him, though, before the game, and he came out with the big hat and chain and glasses, and he got all wild and crazy, but his the mascot head flew off, so he went running
2: back into the tunnel. It was it was kind of an epic fail. Uh, again, and, and no, I didn't, but this is all added to the adventure of the Pac-12. Colorado, say what you want, whether you like it or not, has really added To the Pac-12s last year they have made it a national story they have made it where people are interested again win or lose uh, Dion and Colorado uh, is the big story out there and you got teams like Utah playing really well you got Oregon playing well you got Southern Cal and they take on Colorado next week and 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 these schools are getting more attention because of Colorado
1: Mike Rodak is next on Alabama stay with us
3: Again,
8: sets up in the pocket throws long looking middle of the field and he has a man what a catch! All right
12: 832
1: here we are back at it from Baumhauer's wing fingers Want to thank all the fine folks for having us here their doors have been open for uh, since 6 a.m. Come on in you still have time Uh, Enjoy your breakfast with a Koneka egg and cheese biscuit or try the Jimmy Jean egg and cheese biscuit, both served on a lightly buttered fresh buttermilk biscuit with melted cheese for only $4.49.
2: Wow. What was that? The the one that, uh, like, $2.49 for coffee and something? I saw that on the menu, too. That's incredible how low that price is.
1: Well, you can make any breakfast a a combo meal with the 12-ounce coffee and tater tots for an extra $2.49.
2: So, yeah, there you go. Gotcha. All right, let's uh, talk some Alabama. Football Certainly that play of Jalen Milrow, that pass play, really sticks out in my memory. That's one of the really great plays so far this year for Alabama. The guy gets a hit like you can't believe, gets uh, humbled in the stomach. He's on the ground, and the pass is a touchdown pass. If, if nothing else endears him to his teammates, that certainly would. Let's get Mike Rodak from uh, 24-7 uh, talking Alabama football with us. Mike, many thanks for joining us. You doing all right? Yeah,
12: doing pretty well. How are you?
2: Good. Uh, before it became an issue on the playing field with that uh, play about whether the, it was a first down or not, and then Alabama using a play that they should have had to to sneak for the first down, were you up in the press box of where it was going on before it all all transpired?
12: Uh, you know, who really spotted it up there was um, Kirk McNair. You know, he's been around for a long, long time on the beat. Um, and, you know, he's one of the guys that still charts the plays by hand, you know, pen and paper. And right. I think, you know, he was certainly watching the chain gang after that happened. And um, he even turned to me and he said, you know, they were late in in moving the chains. Uh, so he noticed it right away. Um, but I don't think, You know, the stat crew that's keeping the official stats for the game noticed it because they sit two rows behind us in the press box. And um, you could hear them calling out the downs, and they were a down behind. Um, And I don't think they noticed the down markers on the field. I I noticed after the first down, I I noticed it was a second down when Alabama seemed to think it was first down. That's when I noticed. Kirk noticed right away. Um, But I don't think Alabama knew it in – in fact, I know it's a fact. Cause I asked Jason McClellan about it. They didn't know it until after what they thought was second down going into third down was really third down going into fourth down. That's when they realized it. So they were probably thinking, hey, we're going to run a third down play here and said they had to kick a field goal. And that's when, um, you know, even in the press box, I could hear the stack guys, they're saying third down. And I held up four fingers. I said, no, it's fourth down. Um, and so there was confusion up there. And again, I think it all stems from. A, Alabama going fast to the line to try to sneak it, thinking it will start in short, and B, the chain gang and or the officials not being on the same page as to whether that, that second down run by Roydell was a first down or not.
2: Is it just me, or do others, maybe those that you talk to, your constituents in the press box, wonder, why Alabama at the one-yard line just send Jalen Miller to the uh, under center, take it, and just push forward for a touchdown?
12: Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of uh, you know comments to that regard. I think it's it's a, a fair assessment. Um, without having seen Jalen Miller, I, I can't think off the top of my head too many Jalen Milro sneaks like where he goes under center. Um, just you know, he hasn't played a lot. And I don't know if it's something that they practice often or if they practice and they don't like what they've seen in practice. Like there, there had to be a reason in Tommy Reese's mind, why they didn't want to do that. Um, you know, we don't get to talk to Reese the next time we'll be before a bowl game. So we're not going to be able to ask him that, um, you know, maybe it's something we can present to Saban. Um, and yeah, that's and honestly, I think it's a good question to Nick Saban to see what he thinks. Cause there's been times when Nick Saban's had differences of opinion. I remember, this Mississippi state game two years ago in Starkville when Bill O'Brien was lining up in the shotgun with, you know, three or four wide receivers on uh, at the goal line and, and Nick Saban called a timeout and overruled him. And they lined up in three tight ends and, you know, just ran the ball forward with Brian Robinson. So, you know, Nick Saban certainly has the power to overrule Tommy Reese. Um, but, you know, there's benefits sometimes being in the gun in terms of, being able to see the field and and all that. I mean, there's there's technical football people that will kind of sing the praises of the shotgun, but in this particular case, yeah, I think you line up and you try to sneak it.
2: Talking with Mike Rodak, uh, 24-7 on Alabama. So how much better do you think Alabama fans should feel about the Crimson Tide than they were going into this game?
12: I mean, better. I I don't think that this – solves all their issues or, you know, all of a sudden makes them a playoff team again. It's, it's what they needed to do in that moment. I mean, in going into the the halftime break, I mean, that was kind of what the team was looking like through the Texas game, the South Florida game, the first half of the Ole Miss game, for the most part was the same story. I mean, they, um, I think they were starting to do better on defense, which was helping after that first drive of Ole Miss. And there was probably a couple things, you know, based on talking to players that, Ole Miss showed that they weren't ready for, and that might have led to that, that early touchdown. Offensively, that was a mess in the first half. I think we all knew that, um, you know, with um, the interception and, um, you know, the obviously the goal line sequence there. Um, and the running game, too, was not all that effective in the first half either. I mean, running backs, I think, had 25 yards on 10 carries in the first half. If I have that correct. So you go into halftime, and then it's like, you know this is all the same, and then the second half, you know, was better. Obviously, in defense. I think they played much better. To do what they did against Ole Miss and Kiffin and Dart was great. Uh, offensively, you know, they had a couple of big drives when they needed them, so they did what they needed to do in that moment. I don't know if that means that they go out and they beat A and M and Tennessee and LSU and do everything they need to do to have a successful season. But it probably raises hopes to, to some degree. Um, it's still a team that is near the bottom of fbs and in passing offense it's still a team that i think has you know issues in terms of the quarterback play and the overall offensive execution that i don't think that all goes away but it's a step in the right direction
1: mike obviously uh the vertical pass was there they connected on a couple of them uh i feel like though that those are I don't want to say long shots, but I feel like if they can get one of those, they're very fortunate. Unlike in the past, where it was kind of your one of the standard staples of, of various quarterbacks and receiver combinations, I feel like anytime they get that, it's it's a very fortunate thing. Is, is that an accurate assessment, or do you think they'll have more success kind of pushing it downfield as the season goes on? No,
12: I agree. It, it it feels it does feel lucky sometimes. I mean, there's. Some of them aren't the greatest throws from Jalen Miller. I know that one where Jermaine Burton had to adjust and kind of fly. And he made it was a catch great catch, was, yeah. Great, great yeah, catch. Yeah, it, it just didn't look right. You know, and it's it works, and it, it's you know, it's points, it's yards. Like, it's it all counts the same, but it doesn't look quite as neat and clean as it did, you know, with Bryce throwing the Jameson Williams or Tua throwing the Jerry Judy-like there's definitely a difference in Jalen Milro throwing to Amari Nyblack or, or Jermaine Burton or now Jalen Hale. So, you know, I don't know if anybody is expecting it to look exactly like Bryson and Tua. And, you know, there, I guess there's room for improvement, but I don't know if they're going to win um, doing that. Like, I, I think it's still a little bit scattershot. It's still, um, I, mean, I mean, it's worked here and there. Uh, they've connected on some of those big plays, but the consistency overall from the passing game is still really spotty. Uh, like I said, they're they're near the bottom of college football right now in, in terms of overall passing production. Uh, I mean, I think if they're going to put together a season that legitimately challenges for a national championship, it's it's going to be still more based on their ability to get physical and run the ball, which is something they still need to do better. Like I said, it's you know 25 yards by the running backs in the first half is not great. Um, yeah, you know, they're still. I think Jace McCollum is like around 70th in the country in yards per carry. So it needs to be a lot better than that if, if they're going to be that sort of team.
2: You know, if we could find fault with Alabama's offense, and certainly there's a lot of avenues there we can, what about Ole Miss's offense? I was really disappointed in looking at the way they approached the game. I was expecting a lot more. They supposedly had more talent on offense than Alabama. I'd like to get your take on that and how much criticism for Lane Kiffin.
12: Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's and that's multiple times now for Lane Kiffin going against Alabama, where you'd you expect him to, you know, have a better plan and, and kind of show that he's that offensive mind, that offensive genius, if you will, that people think he is. And I mean, obviously they they did a lot that first game, 2020, uh, when that was that shootout in Oxford, and they had 500 yards. You know, Alabama had like 700 yards and. Um, ever since then, I mean, that 2021 game he came into Tuscaloosa was a complete flop. Had all those fourth down tries. It didn't work. That offense looked bad. Even with Matt Corral, who was a Heisman candidate, candidate at the time. And then last year, um, you know, they went up early and then they fell back. And then, you remember, Ole Miss had the ball last year at the Alabama 14-yard line. It was the first and ten, and they needed a touchdown to win the game. And it, it, was, a, it was a disaster for them. I mean, Jackson Dart, I think on third down last year, just ran into somebody. Um, and then this year you're expecting, all right, maybe they can piece it together. And it just, other than that first drive, which again, I think they kind of caught Alabama off guard with some different looks. There was just no adjustments. There's no, uh, you know, compared to like what Texas did there, there's nothing we're like, man, like they, they really knew how to attack Alabama secondary. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of credit due to Alabama for that, but I would agree. It was just really disappointing given how far Lane Kiffin is into his ten at Ole Miss and the ability to build that roster, you have a veteran quarterback, you know, he doesn't have the same weapons at wide receiver and tight end that Sark does at Texas, um, but he has some good running backs. Like, they've run the ball really well the last couple of years, so, yeah, you just wonder, like, where does that go with him? I mean, this was a pretty important game where if he had won this lane did, then, you know, people are probably talking about him as is he the next Alabama head coach, and now it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get fired anytime soon by Ole Miss, but still, it's it just there's some big games that he's lost at Ole Miss that you'd expect him, given where he is in that tenure, to win.
1: Mike Rodak's our guest here on WNSP. So, uh, you know, I think in after the game, Saban kind of talked about the touchdown on, with Jackson Dart, how it was more of a miscommunication on the defensive part there in an open set. You know he's going to go right up the gut on QB draw. He's got this running scoreboard in his head about the number of, in, uh, uh touchdowns are taken off the board because of penalty. He had a little fun with it. You've covered this team a while. You've covered Nick Saban a while now. How much of what you see of Nick Saban now, he seems a little more relaxed, a little more playful in his postgame. Is that a reflection on how long he's been doing this in his age, or he just kind of knows what the score is with this team?
12: I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, Yeah, you know, I think his age and sort of where he is in his career, and um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see him throwing headsets and yelling and screaming. And um, you know, it's sometimes that's not good for your health when you're in your seventies to be that stressed and that worked up. And I think that, you know, is probably playing into it. And also, just you know, I think he's. He, I don't want to say he's satisfied, but I think he's, you know, it's all kind of gravy for Nick Saban at this point. Like, if he can win another national title, I'm sure that's great, but obviously his legacy is still, you know, is what it is at this point. He's, he's the greatest head coach ever. So, um, you know, I don't know if – I don't want to say he's less motivated, but it's just, you know, you're, you're kind of playing with house money at this point and um, kind of seeing where things go, and you know, I think that plays into it. But, yeah, I think its it's also – you know, trying to find the right buttons to push with players. And I do legitimately think he likes this team. I don't think there's as many issues as there were two years ago. That 2021 team was really, um, you know, pulling his hair out. And he liked last year's team too. Like he he was really happy with last year's team, especially by the end, once guys left that didn't want to be there, you know, the sugar bowl, you know, he loved the players that he had. So, um, you know, it's, it's different i would agree like it's it's definitely changed from probably where it was five or ten years ago i don't know if it's worse or better i think it's just different and um again I, i i think it's just kind of where he's at in life and then that's something that you know he's gonna be 72 next month it's it's uh it's late in his career to say the least
2: okay we talk about the quarterbacking but how about the offensive line for alabama did you see improvement there
12: so they, they played around with the left tackle spot, which a lot of people wanted them to do. You know, a lot of people were upset with Caden Proctor. Um, but, you know, same thing, though. There's a lot of positivity from Nick Saban going into the game. There's a lot of positivity from Proctor's teammates that he's going to get better. So he played the first three series of the game. It wasn't, there was nothing glaringly bad with what he did. And then they put uh, Elijah Pritchett in after that for a couple of series. And they got a look at him. And then they put Proctor in for the second half. Which is something that Saban said afterwards was planned. Uh, at that point, he said he couldn't really, you know, evaluate how they did, understandably, he wasn't really watching that position intently. Um, but that's, you know, that's been their biggest problem is the left tackle spot. And so, you know, if Proctor can get better, then that's good. Or maybe they go to Pritchett, uh, who's a little bit smaller. He doesn't have the sort of, you know, headline-grabbing size that, that Caden Proctor does, but a little bit more experience because he's been here another year and. You know, they'll have to figure out which one of those they want to stick with going forward. The rest of the line is, you know, is what it is. Like, I think, it, you know, the pass protection has been bad. Obviously, they're, I think, third or fourth um, highest number of sacks in the country. They're averaging four a game allowed. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be personnel changes elsewhere in the line. I think the group that they have is the group they're going to stick with and just try to get better with it. And, like I said, the running game, too, also needs. A lot more um, oomph um, when you have the guys that are 350 pounds at right tackle and Proctor if he's at left tackle and Booker. I mean, you should be averaging five plus yards to carry they or not. They're right around four right now, and which is, again, I think bottom two thirds or bottom third of, of the country. So uh, that needs to get a lot better. And uh, that offensive line is still still a big issue. You still have some, you know, LSU with Mason Taylor and those guys. Uh, or Mason Smith, I mean, coming up um, in a few weeks. And, you know, Tennessee has a pretty good front. So there's still obviously a lot of uh, areas where they could trip up here.
1: Hey, man, always good to have you on the show. We really appreciate it. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things Alabama.
12: Bama247.com, also uh, at Mike Rodak on X.
1: Yeah, there you go, on X. Uh, I, I always get confused. I don't know what, whatever to say on that. Hey, thanks for the time, man. Have a great week. We'll be in touch.
12: You got it. Thank you. It's
1: Mike Rodak, ladies and gentlemen. All right, clothing ceremonies are next. We'll uh, give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show. And, of course, uh, you never know what the cat will drag in. It's a big cat, by the way, if you drag this guy in. But he's rocking his
2: Steelers gear so things must have gone well, well. boy you arrived they people just come in and wait on you hand and foot yeah well it only took 16 <laughs> years or whatever hey but it but it's there it's now there yeah see? <laughs> took you a little long but it's there Woo!
6: yeah
1: all right so clearly Matt McCoy's here which would indicate a couple things one the Steelers won. That's and number one and it's late in the morning he's just getting started so stay with us one final segment see opening kickoff
3: Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile.
1: All right, 8:52. One final segment. I told you it was a big cat. Y'all didn't believe me, but here he is, Matt McCoy. Man, in here.
5: I heard you guys were in my backyard. I was like, man, I gotta, come, I gotta come and talk to the boys, especially. Wait, after you
1: that.
2: have a wing fingers in your backyard? That that that, that would explain that it. explains that a explains lot. Explains a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you you couldn't see this, but as he was getting out of his car, that's when he put on the Steeler jersey.
5: Yeah,
6: yeah. You know,
2: had they lost last night? We don't know if that would have been the
5: case. No, man, I still support them when they they win and when they lose. You know, I mean, I'm there for them. I would never leave in the middle of a game and go cut the grass because I thought they were going to lose, like I heard some people did. Well, yeah, but in fairness to
2: Mark, your game was late at night. <laughs> You're not going to be cutting the grass at uh I've done it. 9, Thank 10, you. i it. 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> oh, where, oh, is this my one?
5: <laughs> you know, you got a point. You got a point. I'll give Mark that. I'll so, give him that. So who
2: had the better weekend? You with your Steelers win, or maybe Michael Bronner back in our studio. He got an Alabama win. And, Michael, you got a Jets win. I'm sorry, a Patriots <laughs> win over the Jets. <laughs> no, a
10: 15th win in a row over the Jets is what. Is what okay, uh, hey, Michael, let
2: me that. ask you a question. There was Please. a big controversy. Sauce Gardner of the Jets is complaining about the Patriots quarterback Mac Jones hitting him in the private parts and and <laughs> hurting his fatherhood. W- I didn't his see the game. Fatherhood. Did you, yeah. yeah. Did you I, I didn't see the game. Was there anything to that? No, I
10: saw the like the play he's claiming that happened on. Like Mac Jones took like three late hits on the play. It was a QB sneak where he's stuffed. I didn't see it. I I mean I I don't know uh it it, maybe it happened maybe it didn't but mac jones took a few late shots on the play as well so
1: but his fatherhood is okay as far as you know
10: as far as i know sauce Gardner's fatherhood is okay but uh you know the patriots are indeed his father
1: so
5: it's man. I can tell you this from somebody who played ball. The last thing you want to do is be on the bottom of that pile There's
1: a lot of grabbing going <laughs> there's on.
5: There's a lot of grabbing going on a lot of tugging to, Yeah, there's a lot of things that get pulled and ripped <laughs> and that's not fun
1: I had a the true story. I might have told you this all in the air though I had a friend who played high school ball and um... He he was one of those
5: guys, right? He was oh grabbing, God, grabbing, man.
1: grabbing, and then he heard one of his teammates yell. <laughs>
5: he grabbed his own teammate. Oh own my team. gosh. i tell y'all, y'all seriously, when the, where the refs can't see at the bottom of that pile, it is uh, it is rough. I mean, it is it is rough.
1: Yeah. Uh, good times. Yeah. Uh, someone in the uh, bottom uh, someone in the acid bottom of the pile sucks, you can't breathe. Yeah, breathing is completely optional in those situations. And,
5: and anything that that is exposed, eyes uh, and things that aren't exposed get tugged and poked and prodded. I According to the
1: app, that. he's holding a pound of Aunt Betty's nut butter. <laughs> <laughs>
2: See, you get here. and, and the, the show just goes right yeah, down the tubes. A lot of the helmets in the NFL, you have the visors over there protecting in the old days. Like Jim Brown used to talk about he'd be at the bottom of the pile and there'd be players poking at his eyes and so oh forth. yeah and, you know, oh, yeah face oh
5: it everything? was terrible it, it was terrible I you know one of one of my uh, fellow linebackers, I will never forget this to the day that i because you know you always watch you hear about them watching film and everything and you really do do that the next day you spend a lot of time analyzing everything and I remember our coach specifically stopping one point because it was a big pile we were down the goal line and you can just see Brad Pavlik was my fellow line uh, backer's name and you can see his legs sprawled out because he had gone in for the ball it was a fumble and then you just see a hand come in an area that shouldn't and just like latch. <laughs> And you see the legs go, whoop, and then uh, we got a we got a personal foul. But then the coach was like, "You know what? You were you were uh, you were right for we that were one."
2: Watching the game last night, Raiders Steelers, which we carried on WNSP. Yes. Were you surprised at the number of Steeler fans that were out in uh, Las Vegas for that game? It's crazy how
5: well that team travels. You know what? It'd be great to see the Saints do the same thing, but I know it's hard. They don't have that legacy that the Steelers do. You know, but still.
1: I will come across that table quicker. I'm quicker than I look.
5: No, I'm serious. though. No, I wasn't digging at the Saints. I'm just saying it would be great to see that because, yeah, when T.J. Watt would do this, the whole – it sounded like a – uh, like, For oh. radio vision, he was raising his raising hands. Raising his for hands, right, right. Yeah, sorry, my, I forgot we're on the radio. Uh, but, no, the, the the crowd noise, it was like a home game. It was crazy. By
2: the way, next week when the uh, Saints play the Bucks, if you need your lawn cut, Mark may be available yeah. during that game. Yeah, yeah. Hey,
5: this is good. Are you any
2: good at it, Mark? Are you good? <laughs> the best okay all
1: right okay well, I, I have a lot of practice in the fall every time the saints are playing man <laughs>
5: that yard gets cut like, on the regular yeah
1: huh? <laughs> uh... especially when uh... Especially it's when his,
2: it's his field of dreams. Oh my God! Oh, you see what he did there? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love Speaking it. of
1: dreams, what what do you got cooking for tomorrow's show? Oh, there? Sure
2: mentioned Dean Waite's going to be on at eight o'clock. We got a number of things to talk to him about, and then uh, Travis Ryer and the Crimson Tide will get somebody on Auburn and see if because there's a, Hugh Freeze has got a press conference today to see if anything can be done to fix that offense. Hmm. Okay. Very good.
5: Uh, and I will state for the record, the first game of the fantasy season, uh, Heim destroyed me. So uh, it's not just all about cutting the grass. It's a, uh,
1: it's a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I know,
5: I know. But, so but that was a, that was a tough first. Have, week for me. But
1: and if we could have called it a season after that, I, you could have given me the trophy. But everybody and their grandmother is on the IR or out for for my team now. Yeah, so yeah, that,
5: that happens too. Yeah,
1: injuries are a part of fantasy, man. They are. What's the uh, prize at the end of the year?
10: The Taco Mama $100 gift card, the Taco Mama Fantasy League, by the way.
1: How
5: about that? I didn't even see how Bronner's doing. Is he, is he, are you, you Bronner? Are you, you know, I him? traded
10: Nick Raheem Mostert <laughs> this week and Raheem Mostert put up 35 points against me after oh, I traded nice. him to okay, him. So, so right, you're
2: you're, you're know, Nick's okay. best player, it sounds oh, like. Look at that. Yeah. that. What if you had like the Miami Dolphins as your team? How many points would you have? <laughs> oh, a my, lot. A lot. Hey, we got to go.
1: Uh, I want to thank all the fine folks here at Baumhauer's Wing Fingers. Come on by and see them for lunch or for dinner. We will be back tomorrow at 6. Until then,
8: see ya.